0: Huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is ridiculous.
1: is a king, the carolers doff sing. Hello and welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner and you are listening to the third annual holiday special, Rogues Go Off on One. We all know Christmas is a time of giving and sharing and that is why I'm going to give a certain someone the first introduction that he has been pleading for. Last Christmas I gave this man my heart but the very next day he gave it away. It's Jezebel. Good evening Jez.
2: Merry Christmas cheer. Merry Christmas lads. Merry Christmas everyone.
1: Jez, do you know what uh, Rich has on his table at Christmas?
2: Well, uh, that could be one of numerous things. Well, there'll be peas and mash. And (laughs) And um...
1: Christmas quackers. Uh Oh! (laughs) Oh, There it
0: is.
1: (laughs) Next, we have someone who puts the bleak into winter with his corncob pipe and his butter nose. It's Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich.
3: Yep, yep, yep. He's in the house again.
1: What was that? Oh, do you know what? He's in such a good mood. Rich texted me earlier and he said, if I want to go into TV presenting, and I'm really hoping I can get the job uh, presenting Quackanory. <laughs> oh, Rich, it's going to be a long night, mate.
3: It already is.
1: <laughs> uh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Peter Davies is here as well. Good evening, Petey Weedy. Yo, yo. Uh, I've run out of duck-related jokes, Pete. Um, what? What's Richard's favourite film?
4: I don't know. What is Richard's favourite film? quack to the future come on come on let's get back to the top of the bill and let's talk about these um, oh. these
1: things. okay sadly grant cannot be with us this evening i'll get to that in a couple of moments but first of all this isn't a normal show so if this is your first ever listen i do recommend you go back and listen to a different show not the other christmas shows to see what we do so we don't want to put you off there's no panto this year
4: Ah, oh, boo it's behind us
3: 50-50 split on that one shoe from follows From. I mean, a, a couple of guys yeah. had said, you know, oh, we're not doing another panto, warriors, And then a couple of guys were going, oh, no, we really look forward to them. They were mental, they were crazy, and, you know, but uh, just time was against us this year. Time was against us.
0: Can
2: I jump in here? Because in the last episode, you said, oh, yeah, we had about, about, oh, no, we had about 20 people say to us that they were missing the panto. So for you to say it's a 50-50 split kind of indicates we've got 40 listeners and we're probably five of them. So um, we've got more than 35 listeners, haven't we? Well, 36 at least. What do you want us to go around each one and ask them? No, no, I'm just saying it's not a 50-50 split. I think you're just being very protective of the Panto, really, because whilst it was all good fun doing it,
4: Mm-hmm. Jez, according to data sources collected by Richard Hutchinson, the MP, it's a 50-50 split.
2: OK, what are the least downloaded episodes ever? Just just throwing that question out should
4: we, Should we move on then, Stu? OK,
2: OK. <laughs> I think episode two, people didn't like the interview. Who
4: was that? <laughs> <laughs> I bet he doesn't even collect stars anymore, but he sold his <laughs> collection uh,
2: he off. Oh, no, he's won't. got
4: rid of it all. I bet he's just one yeah. of those people who just only collected for a year or two and then got rid of it
2: all. I will be yeah. surprising you later on.
1: Now I've kindly asked you all to bring to the recording an alcoholic Christmas drink. Now I've asked you to do this basically because the last two weekends I spent firstly in Leicester on the Palatoy factory tour, see episode thirty one. And then the weekend after is From. During these trips I was with Simon McCohen who told me his favourite drink at Christmas is a nice snowball. And do you know, the pubs we went to over those two weekends didn't sell Africa. So, in honour of Simon, I'm sitting here supping on a snowball. I reckon they're going to go down quite quickly tonight, so I might be slurring by the end of this. But So, what have you boys brought to the party to celebrate Christmas tonight? And uh, let's go to Jez, because he's a drinker.
2: <laughs> Funny you should say that, actually. I've just returned from the pub. It's busy in the Jez household, and uh, we had a kid-free evening... And it has been quite, I wouldn't say stressful, but moving into a new house, you know, we've been busy, busy, busy. Jules just said to me, should we nip to the local? So we just went down and we had some Rockin' Rudolph, which is the local ale. However, the wife did have a glass of white wine, you know, as ladies do. Uh, So I've now returned from the pub, a couple of Rockin' Rudolphs down. And I've now in front of me got a lovely bottle of red, which I'm just about to open. (laughs) Nice.
1: Petey
4: Weedy. Yo, yo. I'm all gone gangsters like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, I'm I'm not a big drinker, but one of my football teams, I coached the girls, bought me some beer and wine. So I'm drinking a rather large bottle of Budweiser.
1: Can um, I ask um, what age these girls are?
4: <laughs> they are between 12 and 13. Okay, and they're buying you a drink? Well, apparently so. So um, I'm not quite sure how they manage that one, but there we go. They are. 12 or 13, so they're probably already you know visiting off licences and pubs, I'd imagine, by now.
1: Okay. And Rich, um, I suppose you brew your own up north, do
3: you? Hold on a second. It, I think it's been nearly 45 seconds now since Jez said that he's moved house recently. Did you just want to say that once more? Oh, um, he's got
4: house jealousy there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've got your by name here, Pete, as well. You're definitely P. Diddy. How do, how do you
4: know it's
3: Diddy? Well, P. <laughs> Dinky, then. I don't actually drink very much, and I, I'm trying to think. The last time I probably drunk was It's Celebration. I've got me. Uh, I've got me trusty kind of die court with us.
1: <laughs> you know what, Rich? I love you. I know you do. Now, talking of farthest from Grant has been unfortunately banned from the main pub that we drink in, and he can't be with us this evening as he has decided to camp out on their doorstep until they agree to overturn his ban. So, to keep him involved on this special show, I travelled down to Fordenbridge to catch up with him and get his thoughts on 2016 and his hopes for 2017. <laughs> so we're going to have our little drinks while we let Grant run with this.
3: Well, Grant... Last night, when the rest of us were recorded our Christmas special, um, you were sadly missing and I believe that you had um, a little excuse. Um, can you just remind us what that excuse was again?
5: Uh, yeah, sorry mate, I was double booked. I would accidentally bought myself tickets to go and see Rogue One for the third time and uh, booked those tickets with a load of my closest friends and couldn't make the recording, so my bad, sorry,
3: sorry. well so you went to see rogue one for the third time now that's not not like you normally You're up to double double figures by now um what do you think of rogue one so far then, grant
5: well i'm on five now rich but i do need to have a break because i'm starting to just get laser noises in my head um i thought it was outstanding i thought this was the star wars prequel we've always waited for i'm thinking to myself you know a lot of good mythology also always has a lot of undertow and subtext within the within uh, within the within the script or within the narrative and I wonder if the authors intentionally put in things like you know, was, was it a social commentary on sort of imperialism in the Middle East by you know, mining for power resources and you know just loads of stuff like that, I just thought you know, I was actually bowled over by the amount of quality within this film, both from the filmmaking point of view the fact it looked like a Star Wars film, felt like a Star Wars film it feels like they found part one of A New Hope. Um, I thought it was outstanding. If I was to watch all the Star Wars films today for the first time, I reckon this would break the original trilogy and probably be in the third spot, really close to the second spot. I thought it was absolutely outstanding.
3: So, even from everything you saw in the trailer, did this meet your expectations, or did it you know, just totally blow you away?
5: Um, That's a really good question, actually. Um... I don't know. I think because we 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 are so spoiled these days. Um I wasn't so engaged as I was with the Force Awakens and it kind of, you know, we're so busy these days. I I it kind of crept up on uh, crept up on me. So I think they've 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 achieved an incredible thing. You know, everyone said that when Disney took over, that um they were going to destroy Star Wars. And I I think they've done everything in their power to make Star Wars as good as it was back in the 70s and 80s. Um I think it's Uh, They've made two fantastic films and, you know, they haven't Disney-fied the Star Wars world. I mean, Rogue One was pretty brutal. Everyone died. So, uh, yeah, I love this film. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and I I prefer it to Force Awakens and God knows what they're going to do with Episode 8. If they're going to carry on uh, on this trajectory, I mean, Episode 8 might even (laughs) get into that number two spot. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. Now, Grant, you've said that you're super busy and we're all absolutely busy, but you've still had time to prepare our intro for the podcast for this month's um, special episode. So I believe you've got some thanks to say for the intro.
5: Yes, well, I stole it, actually, uh, just like they stole the Death Star plans. And as we are the Vintage Rebellion, uh, we rebel. But we should actually give a shout-out to uh, a video uh, company that uh, they make sort of like film re- film related cartoons on YouTube, on a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called How It Should Have Ended. It's a fantastic YouTube channel, really creative. And they made uh, that uh, Chewbacca Silent Night sort of Christmas song. And I kind of stole it and put it at the beginning because we've run out of time and, and I couldn't think of anything else. So uh, go check out their channel. <laughs>
3: Now, Grant, um, we'll just briefly talk about 2016 because I think out of all of the five of us, your collecting habits have probably changed the most over 2016. Um, so, how would you summarize 2016 in the life of collecting of Grant Criddle?
5: Well, I think it's 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 moved past uh, vintage. You know, it's more about Star Wars again. You know, much like it was in uh, the 1990s, where I was looking forward to the prequels and anything with Star Wars on it was great. Um, I think, uh, I love living in today's Star Wars and not just in yesterday's Star Wars and celebrating today's Star Wars so I've moved into the modern lines but not so much the stuff that you can get in the shop more the stuff that's sort of cinema orientated or cast and crew items and stuff like that so I think that's where the biggest change has been and also uh, I feel that I can't justify the markup in prices on um, action figures so I've sort of moves away from action figures and what's been most interesting, especially when we've created this uh, Beyond the Toys Facebook page, is celebrate the uh, celebrate the rest of Star Wars culture. You know, a lot of the stuff that's posted on that page is stuff I haven't seen before and I think it's really fertile ground to investigate, you know, sort of uh, new territory in, in terms of uh, vintage Star Wars stuff or maybe stuff that hasn't been brought to the surface in quite a long time and I think that, that to me is really exciting. I mean, I've seen a 20-back you know, uh, I was going to say Greedo, but I don't want to upset to do that. I've seen the 20-back walrus man, and when, you know, it, it is interesting, and it is exciting, but it doesn't... I think the problem for me is is um, I've started seeing these carded figures as value, as money, and not as 20-back walrus mans, and I don't like that. You know, I want to celebrate for being a Star Wars item and not for the the value it holds because of its rarity and that's been a bit of a turn off but what's been great is that the oddball stuff is sort of uh, still very cheap so I can still get excited about picking up Kenner jigsaws or um, H.C. Uh, Ford mini memos so that's been an exciting sort of turnaround.
3: Yeah, 2016 in general in the beyond the toys has really exploded. I think, and, and you as, as well as you know, Quiet Creek's 5 and Mark Daniels have, has been be beyond some of that pushing it. Um, not just on the Facebook group, but also on the podcast and, and posts that you made on the on the forum. Do you see a lot more people heading down that route in 2017, or do you think they're going to start pull back and go back to the toys as the prices are starting to decrease slightly?
5: I, I don't think so. I seen. <clears throat> I was looking at some carded figure sales uh, just today, and I thought, "Wow, I remember that being sold for thirty pound, and it was sold for three hundred and ninety nine dollars." And I think it's you know, it's not just what it is. It's Star Wars. It's Star Wars culture. It's Star Wars history, and I think that to me is really exciting. So if you're you know maybe not so much for the toy fans, but if you're a Star Wars fan, these these are different avenues in which you can enjoy the hobby.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I brought that up the other night when we were recording. There's a huge difference between a Star Wars fan and a Star Wars toy collecting fan. Um, Although the areas may meet at some points, there's such a big difference between the two. And and that partly leads into the next point about Celebration London in a review, because we're talking about Celebration London. And we're talking about some of the highlights. And for me, I thought Celebration London was absolutely fantastic. And that was not just because of the toy collecting. It was for the Star Wars. It was for walking around and seeing the characters and seeing the kids there with the lightsabers. And and I didn't get that from some of the um, toy collectors that I met. And, and some of them were deeply disappointed. Um, how did you feel about Celebration London? And do you have any standout moments?
5: Yeah, but yeah, that was the same actually. In Anaheim, it sort of really stuck out in Anaheim that that there was a there was a split or a dichotomy between uh, Star Wars toy collectors and Star Wars fans. Um, but you know, I'm a Star Wars fan, so I kind of kind of dug all of it. Uh, really, some of it is a bit abstract. And glad I'm not uh, a complete is collecting modern stuff. Otherwise, I'd be buying RTD's girls' high heeled shoes and God knows what these days. But there's a bit there uh, for everyone. And. Uh, A fantastic atmosphere. It's sort of like almost got that Glastonbury Festival uh, vibe where everyone is happy and more happy to pump each other out and and so many friends now. When me and Jez went to Essen in 2013, there was like six of us and now you walk anywhere in Star Wars Celebration and you'll bump into someone you know, which is brilliant.
3: And a lot of those people have been on our podcast. I mean, 2016, if you look back to, you know, where we were in 2015, we were still trying to arrange interviews with some guests thinking, mm, I don't think they're going to come on our show just yet. But the explosion in guests and quality quality interviews from, you know, from Europe and from the States and, and from all over Britain have been absolutely phenomenal. Did you expect what's happened to have happened looking back over the last year?
5: Uh, do you know? Because we've been doing this for uh, qu- uh, was it two and a half years now. Um, in the first couple of months, I could tell you what we've done, but now you know, as soon as you release a podcast, we're making the next one. I don't think we have any time to sort of celebrate it or reminisce about it. It's always on to the next one, so it's <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit staggering to look back and think, you know, oh my god, look all these uh, people that we've had on, and that, you know, this year. Uh, so there are so many ridiculously strong interviews there. I feel like I've learned a lot I think we've brought some uh, incredible knowledge onto the show and made some really amazing friends it's uh it's really nice to celebrate.
3: Have you got any interviews that you may want to pull out as being particularly memorable and it doesn't just have to be one that you recorded yourself?
5: Um uh, do you know what I, it, it's difficult to say um I mean I really enjoyed learning about home videos and Tops trading cards uh, just from my section. I really loved learning about sort of vinyl uh, records and Imperial March jazz version from Italy and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think you know, right throughout the year, the main interviews have been super strong. The Letty uh, one that we had last month was uh, phenomenal, I learned so much from that. Um, you know, we've had uh, Mark and Craig on. I don't want to name too many people because. I don't want to leave anyone out, but we've had some friends, uh, like, you know, we've had Simon on, we've had Ollie on for the main interview. All of these are just, it's just great to hear people talk about their passion and, you know, just recently, um, uh, Matt Fox on, uh, his conversation on posters was outstanding. Um, so there's been a lot of stuff there. I, I think that, uh, it'd be nice, I think, to be a bit more action figure orientated because I think that's a steak on the plate in which we eat, but, um. We've definitely had a lot of um i was gonna say vegetables and uh, we've definitely had a we've definitely had a lot of great uh, people on and uh, uh with some really inspiring conversations The problem i find though is that every time you uh have a really good interview with someone you just want to change your focus and start you know buying the stuff that they were talking about and then next month it's on to something else so uh yeah it's a bit self defeating in terms of
3: the wallet <laughs> it's also great when you, you just mentioned the french um song there when you put something small at the podcast and a lot of people pick up on it and the run with it i mean the toy polo interview i remember you were worried about that and thinking i'm not sure how this toy polo one's going to go down but the the feedback we had from that was absolutely incredible and um you know just goes to show that the hard work is worth it
5: well i think that's that, that that's a real struggle isn't it is um to make something that isn't about you and about what you like, and there are certain things in the hobby that I might not appreciate or like, or even maybe there's <laughs> collectors in the hobby that I might not get on with too well. But it's not about what I like. Is I think it's more important that we record uh, a point in history about you know what's happening within the hobby, and uh, a lot of the stuff. Uh, Dave, I mean, Dave Moss is a lovely guy, but a lot of the stuff that Toy Ploy did, I personally don't agree with but i wanted i wanted to get it out there and generate that kind of conversation i think that's far more important than uh me deciding what i want
3: so we're heading towards 2017 and it's not going to be long before celebration orlando hits um what are your expectations for orlando uh
5: a trailer for episode eight because if that's anything like uh, the Force Awakens I mean the Force Awakens trailer in Anaheim was one of my favourite Star Wars moments of my life I'm I, <laughs> blown away by that I think especially uh, holding on to Jez as we're both blubbering away was uh, <laughs> a bonding experience in itself I think that was fantastic and if I could just relive that that would be enough for me but then you've got celebration on top of that and you know, I'd be interested to see uh, the community, This uh, there's so many community projects going on right now, um, stuff I've heard about, stuff I haven't heard about, I mean, I know that we have a, a new proof book on the way, I know that there's a Star Wars and the Movies project that's about to start, um, you know, it would be interested to see what the community does and, uh, and feeds, feeds back because it's been a great year for... The little projects, I mean I know we've had a lot of them on the show and a lot of them have been fantastic and it's going to be interesting to see what else comes out of Anaheim, plus I've now got a uh, glass cabinet full of swag and it looks great and I want to add to it, I want to add another 700 badges but I'm not sure if the glass shelf can take it
3: And what does 2017 have for glance collecting focuses I mean I'm sure you've got your eyes on some episode 8 cast and crew items amongst all this
5: uh, that is that That would definitely be be nice. Um, I, I do like the cast and crew items. Um, and I think, I don't want to draw too much attention to some of the stuff I'm looking for just in case other people pick up on it, but maybe finish the uh, 12-inch line. I really like the Hot Toys stuff, and it'd be really nice to have some modern Star Wars, even from the prequels represented in my collection through the Hot Toys. Um, there's a few items I haven't picked up, which I just wanted to pick up this year. Uh, most of them are trilogos, like the Imperial Gunner, Leia Half, Luke Poncho, the A-Wing pilot. I really want an FX7 on the of Return of the Jedi card, and maybe a Power of the Force box skiff, but uh, I don't know, who knows.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you've said all that, because we actually went through your five items that you were meant to get in 2016, and I think we actually worked out which ones you hadn't got and which ones you had.
5: <laughs> right, yes, yeah, I mean, the Imperial Gunner, it's the only one I need... Uh, Oh no, I need the Luke Poncho and the A Wing Pirate and the Imperial Gunner to
3: finish the Tri Logo
5: last 17 run. But I've got the Luke mm-hmm. Poncho and A Wing Pilot on the Power of the Force. But I, oh, I just. And I love that Imperial Gunner card. You know, beautiful card. Yeah. Um, yeah, it never ends, does it?
3: No, never ends. I've got some Power of the Force 2 corded figures if you want them sent, don't you?
5: No, <laughs> mind you, I don't don't, don't, don't. don't test me, man. I. I I've, the fact is, I i have run out of room, mate, always, I, I, might, I might be tempted. <laughs> I might be tempted in getting a, a freeze-frame Lax Savrak or an Ishi Tib.
6: <laughs>
3: so Grant, 2016, we've seen some fantastic stuff on the Facebook pages and on the forums, and certainly some stuff like me that I've just never seen before. But for somebody who's been collecting for 20 years, has anything appeared that you've just not seen before and that's really blown your mind?
5: Well, I didn't know the Death Star had a fuse built into it that the Empire could not detect. That was a, that was a, a new thing. I've um, seen loads of stuff on the Beyond Beyond the Toys Facebook page. Almost daily, there's new stuff on there, which I didn't know exists, which is really exciting. But I think, for me, uh, the thing that I really enjoyed, which was at the very beginning of this year, was sort of like the end of a journey to find out uh, after researching and monitoring the, uh, the Internet and talking to lots of collectors, we finally... Uh, established that the max, uh, the helix mass kind of display box actually did surface, it finally surfaced and there was finally proof it existed so that was, uh, I think that was really good after after asking so many people and everyone had a blank stare and no, never seen it and then uh, for it to turn up and it turned up as well, uh, what was it like a day after we released the podcast yeah. where we were talking to Craig Swivey about it and I know, you know. I got paranoid, I thought it looked like a publicity stunt, but it wasn't, it just happened that way, it was fantastic, it was uh, it was the will of the force.
3: And, and Pete's brought up some concerns about not being able to find information very easily online, um, is there anything at all that you've learnt this year that you, you didn't know before 2016?
5: Man, there's so much, um, there's so much, you know, that's the thing about doing the podcast is that there's so much content that we get from all over the place um we're not subject matter experts we get subject matter experts on uh so there's been i mean i didn't know that there was a factory fault opg uh, ben kenobi card on the orange card set called ken kenobi you know i did there's tons and tons of stuff i didn't even i didn't know that um uh that in the uk that we did landscape posters where the rest of the world did portrait posters i i didn't know that you know yeah. I'm, I'm constantly not knowing stuff you know it's uh It's been an amazing learning experience, and uh, I think that has to go down to uh, the wonderful people that we've had on the show and the passion that they have for the hobby.
3: Yeah, some of our guests send us notes of things that they'd like to cover, and some don't, And, and both have their pros and cons, but I think we've all upped our game this year, and the amount of research that we've got to do beforehand in order to give a quality interview, it's really quite staggering at times, isn't it?
5: I think so. And I also have a lot of regrets as well, because it's one thing to do an interview live um, with all the preparation. I mean, you can have all the notes in your world, in the world in front of you, but unless they go through each point, you know, in chronological order. I mean, I'm flipping pages, crossing that question out, flipping back five pages, crossing that question out. And you, you just never know. So uh, I don't know. I just as long as we keep smiling and asking questions, it normally turns out to be a fantastic interview
3: it certainly does and onward to 2017 and let the vintage rebellion smash the airwaves
5: and uh, may the force of others be with you Rich and thank you so much for this year mate you've been a, a pillar of this podcast and I think the other boys would agree that without you this podcast would be impossible uh,
3: we've, we've, we've all got our own little strengths we're all there mate we're all there
1: Let's hope Grant doesn't catch a cold and die.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Does that normally happen with colds? Is it not
1: fatal? He's laying on a uh, doorstep. Might do. Jez, how how do you get down from a bantha? Jump. You don't. You get down from a goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God,
7: I just, it's I just so funny. Like, you know, Steve? Yeah. That's
2: why I love you so much.
1: Five days ago, lads, Rogue One hit the cinema. We've all seen it, haven't we? Yep. so maybe we should just say to the listeners if you haven't been to the cinema yet one, you aren't a true Star Wars fan and two, you better forward this bit or get to the cinema now because this may be spoilers Pete, what did you make of it?
4: What did I make of Rogue One? A Star Wars story I really liked it it filled in a lot of desires I had for Star Wars films the thing I really wanted from it was a Darth Vader scene which would prove how horrible Darth Vader was and we got it and he put the fear of the fear of whatever into uh into people and i think it for me it was a proper prequel film so you know a story that uh that finally gives us you know some kind of quality to the whole uh sort of before a new hope started um but i i, I, I can find very few faults with it but uh you know it's it was just a real good yarn good story lots of cracking actors just everything. I, to be honest with you, I'm very happy with it, and uh, I'm sure you know I'm getting very bored already with people nitpicking it. But there we go. So yeah, loved it. Loved everything about it. Loved the way it looked. Loved the way it smelled. Loved the way it flowed.
1: Oh, I love that Vader. Vader scene at the end, and also love the touch of him in his castle. Which... Well, yeah. I
4: mean, I mean, it. You know, again, again, they, they seem to be going down this route. Uh, the whole of the, the sort of creative process of using um, elements of design and pre you know, pre design. For the, the original Star Wars films, and and using those those artistic impressions and using them because that 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 kind of castle was was a kind of design done many many years ago. So I'm really glad that they they kind of using those those fantastic pieces, put it back in there. But yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I mean, if I have one little complaint, a little bit more Vader, another another scene maybe, a third scene of Vader doing something. But that's it. That's I really can't fault it. It was just such a wonderful film. Yes?
2: Yeah, loved it absolutely. I think it was exactly what was needed. I, I said to my wife before she seen it, and now all of my family have seen it, that it was almost like nineteen seventy-seven original movie was four and a half years uh four and a half years, four and a half hours long, and we've just finally got to see the first half. Yeah, I thought it flowed really well. I thought it was really, really clever. I absolutely loved it. And each and every viewing for me so far, it's been three sittings. Um, the mm. each each viewing is getting better and better uh, once I got over the initial oh right yeah so there's no opening scroll. there's no opening crawl there's uh, you know the music is a little bit different there's no big themes or anything like that but once I appreciated that and then went to the second one just thinking right I know how this pans out now let me enjoy the movie a little bit more found it much more emotional much more I enthralling mean, Just everything was just on point for me and I really really enjoyed it i thought it was so clever
1: with regards to the soundtrack i'm kind of like step out of that until i have it informed so i can listen to it away from the movie but I, I found it particularly strange about the crawl it was like thing boom i was like oh and i've seen it twice and i haven't quite got used to not seeing a crawl there i, I must admit that does sit a bit strange for me but do you know, do you
4: what, know? Stu, it, it, yeah. i re- it really i like a film that just gets on with it you know i i mean i have to say from a personal point of view i can't stand faffing around at the start of a film whether it's titles or intros or, you know marvel films gone for ages with the titles you know and i i really like that it's like well you sit down the the thing goes up this is the film bang we're in the film and you know faffing i don't like faffing at a film Used to come so, and watch
1: it in my cinema pete i had sat down at five past eight and that's when it started and the film didn't come on till ten to nine trailers and adverts
4: Bizarrely, at the view in Leamington for the Midnight Show, we had 14 car adverts, a few others, and no trailers, and straight in. So that's why I was, I was so glad the film just starts so quickly. Maybe, maybe it was part of that. But um, I saw it again at another view, and there were trailers, but less car adverts. This was view.
1: It, it was just it was relentless. It really that sounds, was. That's bad. Was I had absurd. four during the trailers. You know, I kept thinking, oh, I better go just before it starts. Hey ho. Well, yeah,
4: I mean, you get to a certain age. You know, you have to kind of you have to kind of time time those breaks well, wow, you know. I, I I managed to get to the whole film the first time, but then the second time round, you know, though that, that those pre pre cinema drinks just, you know, dipped me in.
3: Rich. Well, I was probably the most critical of the Force Awakens amongst us in that I didn't find the characters really that exciting and I was a bit fed up with the whole everybody's a superhero, Um, you know, Ray could have taken Rambo's role on and destroyed the whole of the Afghanistan army with a, you know, a chicken McNugget or something. I wasn't really thinking this was going to be one of the best films that I've seen for a while. And it got off to a bad start because when I got there, my tickets had already been printed out by somebody else and the cinema double-booked me seats and I had to wait like an hour and a half to go and see the next showing that, that had available seats because all the, all the seats were uh, sold out. But I've got to say I thought it was an absolutely fantastic movie. I found the characters miles better than the characters in The Force Awakens. I enjoyed the fact that the, there were flaws in all the characters, which is exactly what I expect to see. I'm not a fan of any of these Marvel films or these DC films because even though I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2, for example, I know exactly what's going to happen in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You know, there's there's no surprise to any of them. There's no surprise to any of the Superman movies or Batman movies or anything like that. You know exactly what's going to happen. Whereas with Rogue One, as I'm watching it, I'm, you know, you're thinking, oh, that character's got to survive. You know, that character could die at any moment and. You know, it was interesting the way that they killed a lot of the characters off. It was a good touch, and it, it made it much more of a believable film for me.
1: Rich, outside of Star Wars, are there any films
3: you like? I, I, I watch a lot of films. Yeah, I, I do. I enjoy a lot of films. I'm just, I'm not a massive. I'm just not a massive superhero fan. I've never been. You know, I've never been into a lot of the Marvel movies or the X Men or anything. I, I find them really boring, and I find them all the same.
1: What was everyone's favourite character? Just a quick sweep. Tough K2. question. Tough question. K2SO had some nice little lines,
3: yeah. Out oh, of the new characters, you mean? No, man, um, the
1: Force Awakens.
2: Good <laughs> <laughs> I just,
3: mate, No, I'm not thinking of whilst Vader.
2: Whilst they're thinking about it and, you know, putting <laughs> a couple of tuppence in the brain cells, Chirrut, I loved it. Uh, K2, loved him.
3: Cassie yeah. and Andor. Chirrut, Loved yeah.
2: it. But uh, the whole relationship between Chirrut and Baze, I just thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. They're really, really good. Uh, people talk about, oh, there wasn't a great deal of time for character development. I thought there was there wasn't time for character development but i thought the actors did such a great job that the relationship between them i thought was extremely good i mean i got predator out of the whole turret and bays the way they are looking after each other with you know jesse ventura and the other guy from predator i just i got so much out of the characters i I didn't need a great deal of time for development and whilst people are like hanging on oh not about time this what about this you could go back and analyse the original trilogy, couldn't you, and say exactly the same things, but we just grew up loving them. And there's so many people just analysing this after one viewing. It's just like, you know, back off. It's amazing. That's all there is. And if I say fact, that means it's true. Fact.
1: I'm a bit surprised, Rich, you're saying that there's no characterization in The Force Awakens, and there's more in this yeah. one. Cause
4: yeah, I, it's very interesting.
3: Mm. Well I would say you the characters more in Force Awakens than we did this. Well I was, I, was, I was think about the Force Awakens characters right Mad, if I was I don't know 8 9 10 year old again and I watched the Force Awakens which of those new characters would I relate to? Would I relate to Ray? No chance. You know, because for a start, obviously, Ray's a girl, and as a boy, I would never relate related to a female character at all. You know, I never wanted to be Princess Leah when I played with toys or anything like that. And and Ray was far too, you know, well, people are using the Mary Sue terms. I'm, I'm going to use that as well. She was far too much of a Mary Sue. You then look at poor um, uh, Dameron, who, yeah, so, so once again, we get another hotshot pilot um, who had some pretty naff lines that the whole, who talks first, me, to, you know, a load of rubbish, absolute rubbish lines. Um, so there's no way I would have wanted to relate to him. And then you've got Finn, who was a, a stormtrooper who, you know, turns in his first mode of combat, you know, and I wouldn't have related to him either. So as a kid, there's no characters, and, and then you've got Kylo Ren, which I wouldn't have related to Kylo Ren, so you've got no characters in The Force Awakens that I think a kid can relate to, but um, there, there were characters in the original trilogy, of course, that we could relate to, but, but I don't think there was anything worthwhile in The Force Awakens.
4: Wow. Where do, where do we start on that? <laughs> That's just a massive, big bunch of you know, generalisations, amazing.
2: I wanna go back to the whole Mary Sue thing. I know the more. Mary
4: Sue thing I think is a, a very cheap line, but uh I think I think I completely disagree with that. I think that that the Ray character is is not a girly girl character where you go, Oh no, she's female, I can't relate to her. I think you can relate I think I think a lot of a lot of kids relate to Ray because is someone who is in a you know situation of kind of like you know being a bit lost. It doesn't matter whether she's male or female, and I think you can relate to her far far more, more easily. You know, somebody who's who's got a sense of adventure, just like Luke has, as we know in the first of films. And I think, you know, that ev- they always say that well, or, or people or experts say Luke is the one that, that uh, you don't relate to, but you really are, and Han Solo is one you want to be but can't be. So you're basically Luke. If you're a boy, but um for girls, you know, it, it would have probably been Luke or Leia, I think. I think you could you could relate to either. But yeah, just huge generalisations, Richard. I'm quite you're quite vicious against Force Awakens. Right? I, know, I,
3: I did enjoy the Force Awakens. I just I just never got carried away in in the in the whole, you know, everything's awesome, everything's amazing. Well to me it clearly wasn't. I I found this it's film to be a lot better. He was
2: quite damning, wasn't he, on Poe Dameron as well. The whole two yeah. force you force. Right. Poe is an aircrew mate, and aircrew mates, as well as being very, very gifted in numerous areas, they've got a great chat uh, and they are funny people. So mm-hmm. the fact that he says, "Oh, you know, who talks first, you who talk, me talk," it, it doesn't matter because he was a method actor, all right, method acting. He went off to the Stanislavski School of of acting and thought, right, I need to get into the mind of an aircrew person. And that's exactly what he did. Most believable character. You watch the Oscars, Poe Dameron is in there. Um, Because these guys, they believe it. How do you know when a typhoon pilot has entered the bar? He will tell you. Um, And and that's all about that. So, you know, Poe Dameron nailed it. Next.
4: I I am a bit lost. I'm a bit lost to to how the characters in these films aren't padded out. I don't know what people are after. Whether they want you know a good two hours of of in-depth, you know, character analysis. You know, you get enough information from all the characters. You get a bit of background, you get a bit of present, you get a bit of you know motivation. Uh, especially in in, in in Rogue One, you got that, and I was very surprised to see people people criticising the the lack of character development, which I think all the characters had their their motivations very quickly put out there. And I think uh, to to have a an ensemble cast and to have as much information as we did was was excellent. I think it's a, it takes a real skill to not dwell on characters. You think of what Marvel films are like um you, you know the the bad ones tend to to, to relate too much to the origin stories and the good films are the ones who have an ensemble cast like like the avengers and don't go too in depth into the origins you just kind of get on with it yeah you know, this yeah you know, this guy doesn't like this this is why he's angry this is why he's now doing this let's go and, and we're done or you can introduce it half of the film but uh, I'm, I'm finding it personally very hard to criticize
8: i'm surprised
1: rich that you're saying about there's some bad lines in the Force Awakens. Where if you actually went back and sat and watched Star Wars, uh, there's some extremely cheesy lines in there. In fact, Alec oh. Guinness wasn't happy, was he, with some of them? I'm,
3: I'm not going to. I'm not going to defend any script. You know, yes, there were some terrible lines in Star Wars. There are, but there were some real bad stinkers in the Force Awakens. You know, we've had this conversation a year ago, so I don't really want to go spend too much time on the Force Awakens. But there the were cringe-worthy lines of The Force Awakens like that. You know, who talks first? You talk first. After. That that's ought I die, die. That it's not even remotely funny. But whereas when you've got the oh, the, the the character in um, you know the blind character only puts his blindfold on, he says, "You're kidding me." That's delivered so well. That is that was funny. That was really funny compared to that line. You know, just nah, naff
1: i'm astounded rich just out of interest how, how would you rate the eight films where are they in a list for you i would like to know where
3: i must the admit they do change frequently are. they do change a lot
1: as you are at the moment
3: as you are at the moment right i'd say empire has me number one although i've always been critical of the yoda scenes i would say <laughs> what? well the, the yoda scenes slow the whole film down and it would be you know it, it needed to be much quicker but i understand why they did it and you know the the way it started with a bang and um, but has me number one i would say number two is probably jedi third would be new hope fourth would probably be rogue one. Fifth, the force awakens six probably the phantom menace and then revenge of the sith with attack of the clones the weakest of them all although although i do enjoy attack of the clones i enjoy all the star wars movies
1: let's not list them, lads but where have you got no. rogue one at the moment in your eight
3: so pretty high i
2: mean I'm not going to list because I won't list. People say listing and haven't thought about it. It's like trying to choose your favourite kids. Can't do who's, it. Who's I your love them all. You've <laughs> very nearly said it. It must change sometimes, but uh, yeah, right now, course, who is it? Of course it does.
4: <laughs> I, I've come up with a, a, a little diagram in my head. I've got two circles. In one circle, I have all the films apart from episode one and episode two. They're in another circle, they're in the other circle, and that's where they're staying. That's how I rate them.
1: I enjoy um, The Phantom Menace now. I can't I,
4: I, I, can't, I can't. I cannot enjoy that film. I cannot enjoy that film.
1: I think it's Darth a Maul wizard. is a genius character. Yeah, He is. And the music in The Phantom Menace is up there as one of the best soundtracks. So yep. I think there's some great parts of The Phantom Menace. And you put it in a separate circle.
2: Do you know what? I love them all. If they're on TV, I'd watch them. I, I love the whole lot. And uh, I think it's just a great time to be a Star Wars fan right now.
1: And, Joe, you know what, I think, I think we need to move on from this. Just just one point, though, OK? I was watching Home Alone Saturday. And, great film, um, great film. Macaulay Culkin in that is meant to be eight years old, where mm-hmm. Anakin in The Phantom Menace is meant to be nine years old. I've put him three, four years younger than Macaulay Culkin in that film. Yeah, fair of, point. Right, so moving on from that, because we could discuss Rogue One all day, <laughs> um, let's go to one of our catch-up interviews. Grant caught up with previous guest Mark Hockley.
5: Welcome Mark Hockley back to the show. Mark, welcome back to the holiday special of the Vintage Rebellion podcast.
9: Thanks Grant, how you doing?
5: I'm doing well mate, how are you?
9: I'm good, yeah, ho ho ho. Ho ho ho.
5: <laughs> uh, Mark, you're on our June episode, episode 25, and we're actually recording this five, about six months since then. How has the rest of the year been?
9: It's been good, yeah, it's, it's been good, it's been nerdy, it's been uh, social, yeah, It's um, we've had one furthest from and coming up for the second furthest from since then so yeah all good mate all good
5: well we by the time uh, this has been aired we would have already been to fathers from and watched rogue one uh did you enjoy wow. rogue
9: one um i'm yeah of course i did <laughs> i really like that but i shouldn't say i'll spoil it no it was um yeah uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be as good as uh, we're all hoping i can't see it not being i mean it's got the potential to be the potentially it could be the best film of all of them couldn't it can we be that optimistic
5: well it's going to be in the top five i reckon
9: oh definitely yeah it's 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 straight it's straight in at number five even if it's <laughs> even if it's below par, in it but it's it's potentially it's potentially could be the story it's telling even though we know we think we know the whole story it's just uh it's the perfect setup and and with the placing of it you know being you know just before we the, the story that hooked us all in the first place i think if it's if it's done right, it could be one of the best ones.
5: Uh, are you falling for any of the Rogue One merchandise?
9: No, um, I, I don't, I, I, to quote Frank Muse, don't get caught up in all that modern no, I um, No, I try and stay out of it all, because more out of a lack of space than anything else, but, well, and money, I guess, but um, I've seen a few of them, and I, you you, you buying them?
5: Uh, no, I do catch myself now buying the odd uh, book, and you know, I'm a bit partial to some right. lighter chopsticks or whatever.
9: <laughs> Random, yeah, yeah, oddball uh, as it would have once been called. The um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I like the um, I I feel bad enough I end up getting caught up by the magazines rather than just reading stuff online. If I actually go out and buy magazines because it's got the cool cover. There was some cool covers for for One recently, and all the magazines are doing like several covers. So um yeah, I buy some of those, but that's what, that's where I draw the line.
5: And we'll see if it is the best Star Wars from all time. Maybe we'll be chipping over each other at Toys R Us.
9: <laughs> well, I video. have got a prop item. I have got not a prop item. I oh, know I do. I do have a, a little prop item and I do have um, uh, some cast and crew bits. But the, the same, same bit that you, you have as well. The, the, um, the tom bag, the, yeah. the kit bag. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And, and a friend of mine worked on, um, worked on it for a little while and, and managed to pick me up a little prop item. But, um, but yeah, I should, probably shouldn't talk about that. Get me in trouble. But yeah, it's, um, the, the stuff looks cool. The, the toys look cool, um, apart from all the warnings on the back. But the, um, yeah, I, I try and keep it pre 85.
5: Interestingly enough, uh, Rogue One cast and crew stuff, finding out quite difficult to come across, especially mm. in comparison to the F7 stuff. Have you com- managed to come across much of the crew stuff for Rogue One?
9: No, not at all. And it was one of those things that I've seen you know, seen people wearing that stuff, but they all seem to be people that directly worked on the film. It's like this the thing that whenever whenever a crew go from one film to the next, they're all wearing the crew items. So I've seen a lot of the grey T shirts and some of the military coats in um in like the army green. Really nice really nice crew items actually. But none of it seems to be finding its way to the secondary market, which is which is what You know, which is what they'd want, certainly, and, and as much as, as we, we all like to have things in our collection that are, that are cast and crew and that we probably shouldn't really have, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's good in a way, really, that that's all staying where it should be, only the odd thing finding its way out.
5: Would you agree with me that probably the best time to get cast and crew stuff is directly after the production has finished, rather than, you know, several years down the line, like possibly the Rogue One ship has sailed and the chances of picking up many items now is going to be quite difficult?
9: Yeah, I can't. Well, I suppose there's always a chance there was people that worked on it that held stuff back, waiting for the release of the film. Um, there might be a little wave of that, but for the most part, the, the cast, the cast and crew items for the film tend to be produced uh, in the last month of the production and don't actually always even reach the cast and crew till months after the production finishes, and then they all wear it on the next job. So, I mean, I've done extraing in the in the past and. And standing work and stuff on films and and you see everybody wearing the cast and crew items from the previous production um and so what january back january 2015 i worked on a film called genius everybody had come well i say everybody a lot of the crew the ad's and that had all come from uh force awakens and they were all wearing those items and it was like torture because <laughs> no one wanted to sell it and everybody had the puffer jackets and uh, the main unit puffer jackets and and stuff on and it was just like everywhere you look someone was wearing it dropping tea down it and <laughs> you're like no <laughs> so um but yeah yeah it's uh probably i would say the best time is to yeah is apart from that little wave that you probably will find in january where people have bought an extra one and stashed it away um i should think most of that stuff's been worn or, well, or put away in an attic somewhere your fingers um, um, oh i hope you find some stuff mate yeah i hope you find some stuff Always always looking. Um mm.
5: some of the favourite things you said back in episode twenty five, wondering how you have got almost added these to your collection. Uh you said you're interested in things like leaflets, baggies and lily leddy items. Have you managed to pick yeah. up any more of that since June?
9: Yeah, a few bits actually. Um I was looking back earlier today actually, thinking oh, have I bought much since then and um I've actually bought more than I thought, which is probably what we all do. But it's like on that on that tip leddy wise i had a piece arrive today which which i've been after for years literally for about four years which is a 12 inch layer lily leddy doll or large scale action figure as lee would call them she arrived today and I, I got that uh off ebay actually for a for a mexican uh mexican seller because i went on holiday to mexico earlier in the year and couldn't find anything literally nothing and uh and i I had such hopes but um yeah so i picked that up um wise. Got my first two uh, Woolies 8-packs this year, my first 10-pack, um, the JC Penny 10-pack, uh, the Hero one, um, Ewok 4-pack. Yeah, so quite a few multi-packs. I'm on the, the Vader Emperor's Royal Guard and Emperor Return of the Jedi 3-pack. And Poppy is the other thing I, I collect, and I've picked up a few more of those as well. I'm, I'm only up to up to 9 now. Really
5: 9? Um, How many is there in the set? 15. Wow, yeah. you're almost there.
9: It'll be years, mate. I'm doing that really slowly. And the, they're getting really hard to get complete. The, the leaflets are, are really, really hard to find now, let alone that little scrap of paper that R5D4 needs.
5: But you know what? I almost, but, um, I almost bought some leaflets on eBay the other day because they were £25. Yeah. And I was like, wow, these leaflets, these leaflets are super rare, I think. And I went to buy yeah, their, their reproduction ones.
9: I saw that. Yeah, I was talking to Frank about that, actually. It, I mean, in a way, it's a surprise it hasn't happened sooner. Right. But because of the amount of repro stuff that's getting out there now, but yeah, bastards, right? It's, um, makes it even more of a minefield. And, um, I mean, that's the only saving grace that I did my loose run so long ago. that it was, the, we- the repro weapons then were so obvious. They were painted or they were just, you know, simple float test and that. And, in- and if you read, you know, Chig now, they're-, they're getting, you know, harder and harder to spot. Um, and yeah, now it's in, now it's in Poppy and that as well. So, yeah. It's uh, it's a little bit of a minefield, but that's why you know the resources, these websites and that that are out there that, that we all cover so highly are, are just so great because it's just literally you know it's just a library you can go straight to and you can hopefully make an educated decision when you're buying stuff. Too good to be true, it normally is, right?
5: Right, well, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, looking back at 2016, any any major highlights for you, Mark? Except for obviously your major enjoyment of Rogue One.
9: Yeah, well, I finally got a vinyl Cape Jawa thanks to to Nick. Um, so that was that was something I, I'd never owned. Um, I'd had a, a like a cut down Cape Ben Kenobi one since the '90s that had been sat in my collection. That was always like people looking, oh, and you got a vinyl? No, it's fake. I like, oh, right. <laughs> so I've finally got a real one, and there's no better guy than Nick to get one from. You just you just know it's you know two hundred percent right. So that that's that's brought me a lot of pleasure. And I got a DT uh, Luke baggy, which is great. I got that from Jeff, who's, who's my de- daily, um, my baggy dealer, or my daily bagger, um, <laughs> whoever the hell that is, mm. um, who I do furthest from with. He's just just brilliant for, for getting stuff like that from. And um, he held on to that for a long time because I didn't have the money either. I think he held on to that for me for a year. I think it was a year ago I said to him i really like that, but I can't afford it, and he just hung on to it for me. That's cool. You know, a year later, the price hadn't changed. It was like, yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm keeping for you. Yeah, guys are legend. So, um, that was, those are probably two of my standouts, really. And and obviously, the Ledy layer 12 inch doll uh, that came today, which is, I've just got the Jower to get now for that set, which is, which is cool.
5: Is that, is that Ledy layer complete?
9: It's missing the belt and possibly a pair of pants, according to Lee. And he sent me a picture to back this up, I the keys and I did accuse him that he'd just gone out and bought some lingerie for his dog. <laughs> but, <Good> um, <laughs> he did send me this picture. He's been out these little lazy pants, apparently, so, uh.
5: We'll it's funny, because he sent me a picture.
9: Yeah, he sent me a message going, ah, uh, but has she got the knickers, and I was like, oh, he's winding me up. And, uh, <laughs> then he sent me the picture, and I was like, oh, right, okay, wow. Well, no, mine's, mine's commando. <laughs> Yeah, but if he is winding me up, he's going to keep peddling that for ages, isn't he? He's not going to reveal yet. <laughs> oh, there's no one else that'd know, right? I, I don't know yeah. anyone else that'd know. He's just got that over me. <laughs> but um there you go. Well, Better.
5: ask as many people as you can, Mark, in 2017.
9: Oh, yeah. The first question, meet a stranger. Yeah, do you know if the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'll, I'll just live without them.
5: <laughs> amazing, amazing. Moving on to 2017. Obviously, we're going to purchase way more than we can afford in 2017. <laughs> Is there any, any focuses that you want to highlight? Anything that you've got that you're targeting?
9: There's only, I'm, I say this every year, but I'm going to go a little bit slower next year. Um, I went slower this year than last year in many ways because I've, I've all but done a, uh, a mint on card run, uh, over the last year and a half. Um, maybe even the last year. I can't remember when I started it. Um, and Ian Sanderson warned me it was, and, as did, um, um, did several people that it's, um, it's the road to ruin. And, um, they're, they're right. If you get too carried away with it. Christian, Christian warned me actually about that as well. You know, you can get carried away with it. Just take your time with it. And I've just got, I mean, obviously I haven't got all cards. I've tried to buy Star Wars and Empire cards where I can, but a lot of my Jedi's and Tri Logo and Power of the Force, but I've got three more to get. I so I'd like to do those next year. Which one um, is
5: that?
9: Uh, Leia Organa, Han Solo, and, um, Boba Fett.
5: Oh nice. So you got you got the yak face?
9: mm Well I've I'm cheating on yak face. I've got a yak face that's a cut bubble, but it's really discreetly cut on one side and I can live with that. Mm. So um yeah, I've cheated on the yak face to be fair. But maybe yeah, maybe you know, in a couple of years' time I'll you know, when the prices are plateaued a little bit I might actually fix that. But I'm happy with the one I've got for that. But yeah. um but yeah, they're the three. They're the three I'd like in and I've got card backs for two to of them. I haven't got a card back for a home so i've got placeholders so at some point before end of 2017 it would be quite nice to have a couple more of those and then in the coming years maybe that Ledi jower 12 inch scale doll but um yeah it's kind of it really i i did the mint in box run of ships and that over the last four year, four or five years um baggies if i don't get into the variants then there's only three figures i haven't got in baggies that are available and i'm not keen on going crazy on on the um Woolies multi-packs or anything i've got got two which is one more than i thought i'd have so um yeah i'm kind of happy and i've got everything displayed nicely so uh and insured properly and just kind of uh i can enjoy it now you know i'm got to be so paranoid about it all and just kind of so i might even post up some limelights and stuff in the in the coming year on the on the yeah, star man. wars forum uk and things like because i've always been quite closeted about it all about what i've got um, because, hey, there's other people that have got far better collections, but also because I didn't, you know, I didn't have it insured properly, so.
5: Well, last no, senior you collection, that. man. It's really cool. Um, oh, thanks, man. Well, I'll tell you what, what we'll do is we'll grab you back later in 2017, and you better have got yourself a Ledy or 12-inch and a FET and Leon Mock. How's that? We expect Well, yeah, f-
9: fingers crossed. And, and also, I might have something quite cool to talk about by then as well, which, um, which I can't talk about now, but, um, yeah, by then we can, we can have a proper chat about something else amazing
5: uh, that, that that would be great mark we'd love to have you back on uh, and just finally you've released your album built-in stories your first single everyone everybody knows how did that go
9: yeah it was cool yeah it was my, my first proper video as well so it was it was good to do that there's a little nod to star wars in it as well it was quite a long procedure doing the video for that it took us a long time to do it but really happy how it turned out and I, I put out another single called don't shoot the messenger just a couple of weeks ago and that's gone really well as well we did a uh, a little topical video for that, having a poke at Trump. And, um, yeah, so, um, been, been busy doing music, still doing, obviously doing tribute and everything, which is my main, my main job as a, a was it Barry Manilow? Apparently I was, I think, uh, I think, uh, you guys, uh, kind of alluded to, but yeah, Robbie and B two trick pony. So, uh, it's been nice to do some original stuff as well this year and hopefully do a lot more of that next year.
5: Well, Mark, it's been fantastic to have you back on the show, man. And, uh, the quarter's, Well, we're going to spend loads of time together next year anyway, but look forward to having you back on the show next year as well.
9: Thanks, buddy. Look forward to it. Take care, buddy. Cheers. Bye.
1: thank you to Mark Hockley for coming back on and talking with us. You know, Jez, you're just saying you had gone to a bar tonight. I went to a bar the other day. This little Ewok strolled in and he stood next to me and he went to the the uh, barman. I'll have a whiskey and um, soda. And the bartender says, oh yeah, sure thing, but why the little paws? And he went, I don't know. I've had them all my life.
0: <laughs> oh, funny <very> poor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm running out.
1: Um... Right, lads. Obviously, 2016 was was quite the year and we had celebration in our own fantastic London Uh, let's let's just have a quick recap of that and thoughts going looking back at it now and what still stands out for you so let's start with old Dickie this time
3: absolutely everything I expected to be and more so um, some fantastic highlights of celebration going all the way from sharing the podcast stage with Gus Lopez which absolutely had to be a highlight a packed It's hard to describe the venue, but just a packed open area, standing room only, lots of great collectors in the audience. The American guys were there, uh, the British guys were there, the European guys were there, all listening to our podcast stage was brilliant. Meeting and chatting with so many people, either at the room sales or before the room sales, absolutely fantastic. But generally, uh, I am a massive Star Wars fan. I'm not just a massive Star Wars toy collecting fan. So I just enjoyed walking around and, you know, seeing the costumes, seeing the little kids sword fighting outside, um, seeing, you know, just so much Star Wars going on. It was a little bit disappointing, actually, when I did meet a couple of collectors who were, oh, I'm, I'm going home. This is quite boring there's only one stall selling vintage Star Wars, and that's all I've come down for. Uh, I'm going home. I, I was a bit disappointed with all that because, you know, it's Star Wars celebration. It's not Ken Astroke Palatoy celebration. And, and for me, that absolutely nailed it.
1: Would you like to name and shame those collectors? I would not. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I would.
2: <Yes>. I rebel. Jess, <laughs> absolutely loved the whole thing. What I thought one of the funniest things when we rocked up to our fan booth. And we saw the fact that they had misspelled our name. <laughs> Can you remember that? They had run out of space, hadn't they? So it was the Vintage it, Rebellion. They hadn't misspelled it, no. they just missed it.
3: Yeah, it was what Dedicated vintage to, vintage vintage to
2: Vinta. What was De- it? it was... Ded- dedicated to Vin.
3: Dedicated to Vinta. Right.
2: Yeah. Vin, what, Vino? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just Vin. That was I it. I know, yeah. Vintage Rebellion podcast, Dedicated to Vin. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, no, that thanks. was great.
2: Just seeing everyone taking over the pub when we were there oh it's all about booze isn't it really that's not good Uh, and then uh, just having Julie and the kids there on the Sunday getting prevented with the uh, Star Wars Forum UK marathon proof but just having everyone there having it on our own doorstep so lucky UK has been massively lucky this year what with Madame Two Swords and everything Oh, it's just great great times really good times
4: well obviously the booth because we're on the booth all the time so (laughs) my, my members are mostly booth related but the, the people who just came and joined in with us and joined in our crazy stuff to get their postcards, uh, video two and three will be coming soon in the new year on the build-up to the next celebration. So uh, watch out for those. But they were so much fun to film because the majority of people really wanted to join in and just, you know, let's, you know let's, let's join in on the Star Wars craziness and just, you know, be relaxed, don't worry about it. It's funny to see some costume people not join in on the silliness, which is quite funny, seeing as they were dressed in a costume. I always found that a bit odd <laughs> that you're dressed in blue paint, but don't want to uh, don't want to actually you know do a silly little dance as a torn uh, or a Tuscan Raider. So um, yeah, I think I think interested people. I mean, I think Styles fans on the whole are you know good fun. I think maybe if I had one little tiny little complaint, um, we didn't have that kind of overwhelming event thing that that everyone bonds over. So it wasn't you know I mean for example, if we'd had like an episode eight title. That would have been the topic of everyone's conversation, which which is very similar to what happened at Anaheim, you know. All you could talk about was, wow, did you see the Han and Chewie moment You know, that that's what bonded everyone together. I think it needs that. I think every celebration needs something to get everybody talking. It has to be a really big thing, you know. And since we've got all these, all these films coming out. I think it always has to be something interesting. So, you know, if anyone's listening from out there, you know, take note. You need to bond people together as quickly as possible because it helps the event go smoother.
2: Fair point.
1: It was. My first celebration, so obviously you lot have all experienced it before, but it was all about the booth really, wasn't it, our our celebration? We had a a focal point to it, so I just found the whole thing incredible, just things that stand out to me, really, is, is surrounding the booth and what we did, podcast stage as well, sharing it with Gus, the drinking, and just generally the mixing, and I just want to say big thank yous to all the artists that supplied images for the postcards, they made a massive, oh, and the fanzine, all took time out and did it all for nothing, and I really did appreciate that as well just just loved it two people that obviously came to celebration as well who we spent our evenings with and some of the daytime was ed grant and simon cohen and i managed to catch up with them to discuss their 2016. Now, I want to welcome back two former guests. First up is Ed Grant, who we had right back on episode 14 in June 2015. Good evening, Ed. Hi, Stu. And from episode 28, which was quite recent, just a couple of months back, is Simon McCohen. Evening, Simone. Evening, Stu. Just want to talk about the year just gone. Uh, you both attended celebration, didn't you? Did
10: yes, yeah,
1: brilliant. Now, site something we didn't talk about during your interview was something you purchased just after celebration, but had a massive connection with celebration. Uh, you won one of the biker scout helmets, didn't you?
11: Yeah, from the uh, the the biker scout helmet project. There was, I think, there was. 30 of them in all and uh, I scrabbled around to see what I could afford because some of them were going for crazy money and I ended up with one which I was very pleased with. Did you bid on more than one? I bid on about three or four with the intention of bidding on about eight or nine but some of them had already gone into the sort of well into the four figures by the time the auction even approached the dying second so ruled those out straight away. Would you have been happy if you'd won four? (laughs) <laughs> I would have been delighted if I would won. I would have also been broke and uh, possibly dead. Which one did you win? It's called the Burgonet Biker Scout. Wikipedia reliably informs me is uh, a kind of 16th century helmet of a particular style. Uh, but it is absolutely incredible. The the detail of it is just it's just amazing. It's it's it's, it's absolutely spectacular. The the guys at the um, studio have done a great job on it. Yeah, there were some standout ones in there.
10: What did you make of Celebration, Ed? Oh, I thought it was amazing. I mean, uh, as I'm sure most people find, it's um, uh, now and again you have a bit of a lull with collecting and all it takes is going to something like Celebration to kind of suck you right back in and it's definitely happened the last few months. So, yeah, it was just brilliant to see lots of people buy a few new things um, and yeah, spend some time with people, basically.
1: Did you uh, walk away with anything from celebration?
10: Oh, my my celebration haul was quite pathetic, actually. I did I did buy um, a, a loose blue snaggletooth, which is uh, you know that that's okay, I guess. But apart from that, I pretty much hoovered up lots of uh, like loose ac- accessories, weapons, and hoods and things like that, just because. They were the kind of things that were um, easy to get on the day. Um, I, I found that quite of the most most of the high end stuff was really quite expensive, so didn't didn't it didn't really look at much of it.
1: What well, I would suggest, Ed, is not have a private conversation with Cy, si, because he might try to get you to buy some duck related items.
11: I didn't even have to try.
1: Now, over the last 12 months, let's talk about what you've been picking up, and what you've been collecting. Now, Ed, obviously it's 18 months since we had you on for your main interview. Yes. At the time, you were trying to put together a TriLogo logo run. I saw you. I think it was at the first Farvest from of the year that dave tree had a a jower on his stall yeah that's right you were umming and in that day of whether to pull the trigger on it Mm -hmm. because you told me you were going to buy one i think one of the more expensive pieces this year and i believe you've managed to to snatch two of them haven't you
0: i
10: have yeah it's it's all happened very recently to be honest Uh, so my my trilogo run really ground to a halt for a long time i I got down to the the last four I needed, and for a good six months or so, I just couldn't. I, none of them even came up for sale, let alone for reasonable prices. So I I, I pretty much gave up on that and started on on uh, on other things. Um, and then this summer, I I happened across a, a Trilogo Boba Fett on um, a, a, an American Facebook page, which I uh, managed to work out a deal for. So I was I was really really pleased to to get that because as you say, I I wanted to get one of the big ones crossed off my list this year. Um, and then just uh, just last week, I, I'd randomly, um, you know, off the cuff asked somebody if, he, if he'd be willing to sell his jar and he said no. And then a co- uh, this was a while back. And then a couple of weeks ago, he got back to me and said, actually, I've decided I will sell it. So um, here's what I want for it. And um, yeah, d- deal was struck. It was one of those things where you really weren't expecting it. It, it completely came out of the blue. Um, I certainly didn't, didn't have the money to put aside for it. And it, it was quite a big Big purchase, but I just knew I had to have it because, I, as you say, I was slightly gutted not to get the one that Dave Tree had, so this time I, I wasn't going to let it go again. I remember you saying on
1: the when we had you on for your interview that you'd only ever come across one for sale in your time collecting tri logos.
10: Yeah, I mean, I, I think w- the problem with these kind of really sought after things like Fett and Jower is they don't really come up for public sale. Um, Vectis have managed to get a couple out of the woodwork, but generally they just sell behind doors, which is exactly what happened with the one I bought. They, I, I honestly can't remember a Fett or Jower selling on eBay for years. They, they just never come up at open sale. So, yeah, it was really, um, I, I, was, I was really quite lucky to, to find. Find somebody that had one and then get in contact with him uh, behind closed doors it's funny you've you've picked one up this year i know james martin's also picked one up yeah yeah see they've had one for sale so kind of like a few have come around this year. yeah you don't see exactly the same with everything you don't see any for a while and then three come up at once but that, that's just the way collecting goes isn't it and as far as fets go according to rich you can pick them up any day of the week <laughs> yeah yeah i've uh, managed to find one now so i can't argue with him
9: that's uh that, that's tr- that's true
11: I'm just insanely jealous. Incredible looking one as well. It's an absolute beauty, and the oh, box set as well is just oh, uh, speechless, speechless. Out of the out of all the tri logos, you have left the worst one to last, which is Medid, and that is a good choice.
10: Uh, and Yak Face, yeah, I must admit, I'm very glad I've done it this way around. I was I was pretty sure I'd get a Yak Face before either of these two, but I'm I'm quite happy that he's one of the ones I need still. Are you happy dropping the sort of money they're asking for a yak, Ed? Well, no. You've probably seen me moaning about it on the forum, to be honest, because uh, I've been collecting tri logos for a long time, or on and off for a long time, anyway. And um, I just know they're not that rare. They come up for sale all the time. There's, if, if you look at any, if you look at completed listings on eBay, there's always five or ten that have finished in the, in the last couple of months. So I, I'm simply not prepared to pay a thousand pounds for one. They're, um, they're they're just not worth it. There are the, there are far far harder to find figures um, that sell for half the price or less so um i'm just going to bide my time and wait until one comes along in the wild or something and si since i've had you on have you been purchasing much no not really i mean
11: firstly it's been only as you say a couple of months and it's been a it's been a fairly quiet couple of months um the only thing i've had is a uh a weapon error uh, tri logo from ian uh, which is great because that's my first weapon error other than that, I've I've gone a bit to the dark side and been picking up some power of the force two stuff. I'm sorry to admit, but we'll talk about that no more. This is the vintage rebellion. It's
1: very really strange you say that side. I've started putting together a loose run of them.
11: Have you? Really?
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll have we'll have a chat over a snowball at Father's From
11: i think so mate i think so there, there, there is i know it's um it's still decried and hated and all the rest of it but there is still definitely an element of nostalgia there for me because the 90s were brilliant and when star wars started coming out again the star wars stuff in in 95 or so it was it was so exciting i mean we were setting ourselves up for failure really but it was so exciting so that i do have a love of some power of the force 2 stuff and with the prices that Vintage has been achieving of late, it's still an affordable way to collect. So yeah, that keeps me satisfied whilst I'm waiting for uh, a reasonable price trilogo logo to come along. How many try logos have you got left? Because you've done the last 17, haven't you? I have, yeah, crikey. Off the top of my head, I think I've probably got about 35 to go. So there's no shortage of the ones I got, And some of those really common ones, I don't even have a bib or a clarity just because I, I don't know neither of them massively appeal and I'm, I'm i'm more interested in getting the harder to find ones first uh, because the way that again the way prices are going you'd be best ticking those off the list before worrying about the the lower down the food chain ones ideally i'd love to get uh, an emperor's royal guard or a leia organa next because they're both fantastic figures but even finding them for sale is proving hard at the moment and Ed, one other thing we spoke about, and during your interview,
10: was that you'd sold several loose collections. Are you putting back together a loose run? Yeah, that that really came about um, when I ran out of TriLogos to buy. There was it, it, it must have been about probably getting on a year ago now, but I just completely hit a wall with the with the with the tri logo run. So I started um, started putting uh, putting together some uh, a, a loose set. And um, how it came about is I already had a huge box of old beaters that um, I'm sure most people have. And I just looked through them one afternoon and I thought, hang on, most of these aren't really that bad. You know, they're, they're perfectly displayable. They're not, they're not, bad enough to throw out so i, I just started trying to um, find some weapons for them all and managed to put together a set fairly quickly which was good fun i, I must admit i really enjoyed that. that that's been one of the best things i've done uh, in, in recent years you've completed it have you yes yeah just uh, just recently in fact trying to think what the last one i needed was i think it was i think it was a pop-up r2 i needed last and i finally got one about three months ago so before we move on
1: to 2017 I just want to talk about the forum as well. The forum has developed quite a lot in the last twelve months. You've uh, very recently updated the photo uploading, which Rich yeah. spoke about in episode thirty.
10: Yeah, one of one of the real complaints I was getting um, was was the, how difficult it was to add photos because um, the out, out of the box the forum software only uh, on, only allows you to upload really small images, which um, basically mobile phones don't have anymore. Mobile phones are as as, as good as proper digital cameras these days so the photos are just far too big to upload so i've i've just i I found some software that that means people don't have to go away and edit the photos themselves they can just upload them straight to the forum and the uh, the forum software resizes them automatically so yeah had some some good feedback about that people seem to be pleased about it and the forum's still still really busy it's still uh yeah, it's activity, it's, it's, it's busier it? than ever. Yeah, I mean that, that that's the great thing. Although Facebook's doing very well and there's there's a lot going on on there. I, I've I've been running the forum for 11 years and I've got stats for almost all of that. And the forums even just as it's, it's busier now than it's ever been. Um, apart from the Toy Tony scandal, <laughs> that's the uh, that's that's the peak of uh, activity. But yeah, it's 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 still still getting used a lot, which is great. You just mentioned Facebook, but you did
1: actually start up a Star Wars forum Facebook group as well.
10: Uh, yeah, that's right. Earlier this year, to be honest, that was just because I thought if I don't, somebody else will. So I, I may as well. It, it was never intended as a, as a, to to get people away from the forum onto Facebook. It was literally just so that the forum had a presence on there. Really,
1: has it been successful and well used?
10: Or um, I don't know because I never go in there. Uh, I must admit, I'm <laughs> I'm terrible. I I, I I check it out occasionally, but I spend much more time in the other groups like Echo Base and uh, Jason's Vintage Star Wars group. So, yeah, there the, 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 there was a bit of activity in the in the Star Wars forum group but um it's all about the forum really i'm not trying to get people to to use it just quickly to both of you then what
1: has been your biggest highlight of 2016 and your biggest collecting achievements
10: ed i think we're going to know where we're going to go with your collecting achievement yes yes so the um the highlight actually um i'm not sure if you guys um saw it a few months ago but uh completely out of the blue um a load of guys on the forum club together and uh, and and got me some uh, things I really needed for my collection. It was something I w- completely wasn't expecting, um, and there's far too many people involved to mention ind- individual names, but yeah, I, w- I was blown away by that because I just uh, w- wasn't expecting it, and it, it, it had a few things that I really ha- had been looking for for a long time in it, such as a carded um, R5-D4 and also um, a couple of uh, the last 17 loose figures, so yeah, that, that's really that's probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me collecting-wise, so I'd I, like to thank everyone for that again, um, and that that's definitely the highlight of the year.
11: Si, uh, highlight of the year, I think, would have to be Celebration Europe. That was just such a such a fantastic event. It was it was better than I hoped been going to that sort of event i don't know 10 15 20 years ago and they never lived up to the hype but celebration europe for me really did it was just it was it was so good uh so many great people there you were there as well Stu, and uh it was just a uh, it was just a riot a riot of fun three days away from the world uh immersed in Wars, geeked them
1: and what about your best collecting goal of the year
11: completing the last 17 on Tri logos was probably the probably the highlight it was just nice to be able to get that done but in terms of my most I don't know treasured item from the year I I think it's actually the 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 series of postcards you guys did for celebration uh Dan Terl did superb Emperor's Royal Guard uh, and and very kindly agreed to sell it to me afterwards his original piece and I've got that framed up and on the wall and it just it's I can't stop looking at it it's absolutely magnificent Dan's a, a gifted individual to say the least
1: so that's 2016. 2017, what is your uh, collecting targets for the new year?
10: Next year. So um, I think it would be nice to tick Face off the list. Um, as I said, I'm not really in any rush and I'm not, not going to pay a silly price for him. But I'd like to think in, in, in a year I can some effort into finding one of those um and also um i, I started collecting baggies quite recently um again just because the, the 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 i've always been a carded figures guy really but because i've i've, I've, I've i'm getting to where i need to be um, i've had to branch out into other things so yeah it'd be nice to get some more baggies too si
11: i steal one of ed's figures i think that's going to be my goal for 2017 <laughs> Uh, his his logo Boba Fett. That's uh, that's on my hit list. If I if I only bought one of those next year, I would be very happy indeed. It's it's I know it's a you 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 pay the Fett tax, but it's such a great figure. And on tri logo, it just looks amazing. The the car back really really sets it off. So yes, that would be my sole goal for 2017.
10: And, are you going to Celebration? Uh, undecided at the moment. I'd absolutely love to, but it just depends on funds and things like that. I've, I've just wiped out my uh, my savings uh, on, on those two uh, carded figures, so I'll, I'll have to see how it goes.
11: And you're not, are you, Si? No longer going, no. Very sad. Uh, it, just wasn't, it, it, it just wasn't making sense. Um, and after June 23rd, costs rose by 20%. So I've taken the prudent decision not to go. I'll I'll save up and go for the opening of Star Wars Worlds 2018. That'll do. Okay. well, lads, thank you ever so much for uh,
1: coming back and joining us both briefly. It's always great to catch up. Oh, thanks for having us. There was also, obviously, other events. We've just returned from a farthest from other event standouts this year, Jez. Obviously, you sold a lot of your collection at one of them.
2: Yeah, I had to for one reason or another sold a uh, i'm gonna mention it or harp on about it <laughs> but yeah i ended up selling uh, a load of my stuff in august however i'm still a collector big time full time and i'm loving it so that's the whole thing about collectors not it? it goes in a cycle you win some you lose some and for me i had to part with some of it but it, it's all cool because i just look forward to uh to collecting again and what was
1: your favourite event outside of Celebration?
2: Well, I've been to the uh, Birmingham Comic-Con, which was uh, still quite a bit of vintage there, actually, uh, but not just Star Wars. So what I really enjoyed about that was just seeing the um, eclectic mix of, of of costumes, be it uh, man, woman, boy, girl, family, guy on his own, couples, what have you. Birmingham Comic-Con was brilliant. Really, really great um, cosplay thing to go and see and witness uh, but there was still a good proportion of vintage for me going to the whole farthest from thing and just seeing everyone the social is just an important side of it then the uh, collecting i really like it when we have the um, panels there and i uh, look forward to seeing some more panels in the future uh, but the farthest from and the christmas farthest from was great fun
1: I must just say, people should go out and support their local little ones. We've got, in my local town, um, there's a, an event called Sci-Fi by the scene. So it's going to be on its fourth year next year. But it has grown and grown and grown because of the support each year. And I supported um, Medway Comic Con last year and Folkestone's Comic Con. And they're now doing one in Canterbury next year as well. So they're all growing. So people should go out and support their events, yep. however small they are, because it's the only way these things can grow. The last couple of Christmas specials, we haven't had a focal interview, but this month we have. Pete, you've got an interview with a Chris Botkins?
4: I have. Chris is a uh, collector of Rebel Commando figures, amongst amongst other things, which you will find out. I thought it was quite uh, poignant seeing as we have Rogue One, which has a lot of Rebel Commando characters in there, as well as an actual Rebel Commando figure, which has obviously just come out in the modern line. So I thought, you know, let's catch up and talk Rebel Commando.
0: <coughs>
4: Hello there. Seeing as Rogue One is out in the cinemas across the globe, what better vintage figure is there to chat about than the Rebel Commando? I kidnapped Chris Botkins of Wyoming and started interrogating him. There is actually a connection with Star Wars toys from Wyoming. Do you know what it is? It's something to do with uh, retail.
6: Now I'm I've drawn a blank.
4: Now I've got you, haven't I? You've
6: got me. The yeah, JC J-
4: Penny store was started in a place called Kemmerer. In Wyoming, apparently. Oh,
6: Kimmer, Wyoming. Yep, yeah. yep, yep.
4: Look at that, eh? Look at my research. I know. And also, Wow, you really <laughs> did. So your name?
6: Well, I know um, I'm part German. Okay. And I and I also know that uh, we have a homestead in Michigan. But outside of that, you you got me on that one again.
4: <laughs> well, you kind of right, you got down the right thing with the Germans because it's an, it's kind of an Anglo-Saxon kind of historical name that comes from the term bodekin. Uh, so it's developed from that word, and uh, which is B O D E K I N, and that means uh-huh. a small dagger. But yeah, it's a, it's a very oldy <laughs> Saxony kind of vibe to the name, and um, yes, that, that's where it derives from. So there is a lot of history wow. to your name, yeah. So you, you you need to come into Europe and like do some do some
6: digging. No literally.
4: kidding. I did look at your Facebook profile and looked at your age. I'm much oh. old, I'm much older than you. I'm an old man, and um, I think you were born in 1980, weren't you?
8: I was, yes. So yeah, so Empire Strikes
4: Back come out. So how did you get into Star Wars? Because surely when you were kind of growing up, you would have slightly missed it, wouldn't you?
6: Well, it's my one of my very first memories is. Going to, I think it was the re-release. I think it would have been eighty-five or eighty. Yeah, it would have had to have been eighty-five. Yeah. And <clears throat> one of my first memories is going to Return of the Jedi um, in the theater here at one of the local theaters. Um, and it was the the one thing I remember the most about it is is you know I was would have been five years old, and you know a five year old can't really pay attention to a movie, and so <laughs> I was screwing around and. Running up and down the, the, the seat the aisles of the seats and luckily there was only you know like a handful of people in the movie theater. and I remember when Job of the Hut came on, it scared the crap out of me so much so that I, I ended up diving behind the, ch- the row of chairs and crawling out into the aisle to look at the movie screen and and I remember seeing Max Rebo and, and Job of the Hut and after that it forever stuck with me because that was, that's one of my very first memories.
4: Because I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sound like an old man now, but when you tell kids how real Jabba the Hutt looked, I mean, it's not like today where everything's CGI and it's easy. Right. It looked real. He looked real. He looked like it was a real, and it was a real thing. But it it looked like it. And I mean, it,
6: and it just, was it, it, it was everything scary. from the the eyes to the to the way his nostrils flared, and in that deep voice. I, I just remember nothing being, and nothing's ever come close to that since then. But you know, just the 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 voice they they got for him and that booming bass they did with it, and and I just remember that it just ever since then it stuck with me, and and actually that's kind of why I have a soft spot for Jedi is just you know that was simply one of the very first memories I have.
4: So did you uh, did you rush straight out then after that and start buying toys?
6: Yeah, you know um, I've got several pictures um, of my my mom, and I think I'm pretty sure it was that that. Christmas of that year, you know, she bought me all the, the, uh, the Star Wars toys and they were usually, you know, figures or vehicles and they were hiding in the tree. And there was, there's one photo of me, uh, on Christmas morning with all my Star Wars toys. And then, um, a princess Leia, packaged, um, it was a Jedi, it would have been a Jedi card. Um, the original Princess Leia is sitting in the tree above me, and I hadn't found her yet it's from Santa. <laughs> so she's basically playing the,
4: the Christmas fairy, I guess, or the tree fairy.
6: Yeah.
4: I'm assuming you kept buying Star Wars. I mean, by that 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 stage, I'd kind of given up. I mean, when Jedi came out, I loved the f- parts of the film, mm-hmm. but the the whole Ewok obsession killed me. That's me <laughs> out. You know, by by then I was like, you know, nine, ten, computers are oh, around, you okay, right. yeah, and I was losing it. Did you keep collecting? We, we, I mean, I, I guess toys are still in the stores, but then so
6: the Star Wars figures were always huge with me. I mean, they were they always intermingled with like He-Man and, and stuff like that. I always because you know back then you you, you had big playsets, but you didn't have all the you know the you didn't have a playset or a scene for every single thing in the movie. Not only that, but you know your parents you know couldn't afford to give you a, a Millennium Falcon or this or that. And so you kind of had to make do with what you had. And so if you had a Castle Grayskull, you know that also doubled as your Death Star, or that also doubled as your, you know, or your Star oh, Destroyer. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so I, I got into I got into He Man quite a bit. Um, I did get into GI Joe, but I also have very vivid memories. in, in the late '80s, you know, '85, '86, um, which you know, looking back on it now as a collector, but I remember buying a skiff at KB Toys, and I remember. Um, getting the um, Luke Stormtrooper in the store and the Death Star Gunner. And I, I remember getting all those in KB store, in KB Toys here, and, and it was it was always intermingled with, with G.I. Joe and, and He-Man. And, I mean, a little bit of Thundercats, but it's actually kind of surprising that, that I, I'm collecting Star Wars as an adult because I, I probably had more of an affinity for G.I. Joe towards, you know, Towards those kind of formidable years, and you know, you're seven, eight, nine, because Star Wars had kind of quit after that. But,
4: yeah. but I'm assuming then this this GI joke favoritism led you onto your focus.
6: It did. You know, there was a there was a figure named Sci-Fi, um, and he was green and had a, a helmet and, a, and had a black visor, and I was always kind of drawn to that figure in particular. And again, you know, Star Wars all it never really left the forefront it was always around and the toys would always intermingle like Luke Jedi that was one of the best figures of all time and and that that one always you know hung out and did something whether it was G.I. Joe or He-Man or or anything like that but yeah sci-fi it was just an affinity for green or what but it always kind of led me back into Rebel Commando and vice versa and you know because it was G.I. Joe and because of Rebel Commando and sci-fi they all you know they to a kid it kind of all blends together and I remember a lot of times um, playing, you know, building bases out of dirt in the backyard and, and you know, playing with sci-fi and, and in mom's garden and stuff like that. So I definitely think I definitely think G.I. Joe and that figure kind of had an influence, if you will, onto Rebel Commando and, and how I collect Star Wars now.
4: So when did you begin collecting Rebel Commando? I mean, was it when you were um early teens or was it when you were a full-grown adult? I mean, I'm assuming you had, you had a kind of a break from Star Wars when it, you know, disappeared in the what people call the dark times.
6: Well, yeah, it, you know it did, but it was always kind of one of those things that was, you know, near and dear to your heart. I mean, it it never really left you. Yeah. And that was kind of the fun part about it is, you know, GI Joe you kind of grew out of, you know, but Star Wars was always kind of hanging around and and yeah, the dark times were, you know, just that. They were the dark times, but Um, It wasn't officially Rebel Commando until probably 2000. Um, But I remember, you know, going, when I was in high school, you know, that's 95 is when 14, 15, I just got a job. I actually got a job at Target of all places. And that's when the new Star Wars figures came out, Power of the Force 2. And I used to think, oh, who is going to collect this? You know, this is just (laughs) junk. And it wasn't until I was working in the stock room and, and people would come up and they were like, so, do you have any of the new Star Wars toys that I really kind of started looking at them and and you still you you know you'd see them and you're like, this isn't Luke, this isn't Han you know these <laughs> these things don't look anything like your toys, and you go home and you pull out your toys and you're like, these are Star Wars toys what they're selling now is, is is this isn't this doesn't look right, but again, being that collector mentality and you're in high school and now you got a little spare income and you got a car and so, you know, eventually one thing led to another, and, and some friends of mine and I, we would eventually started collecting modern, and that was kind of a, the gateway drug, if you will, <laughs> to get back into to, to vintage collecting. It really started with modern, and it wasn't until, you know, you get far into modern that you start looking back at your yeah. original toys that you had when you were a kid, and you pull those out, and you're like, no, this is this is, to me, this is what Star Wars is
4: you down to modern did you get the endor rebel soldier well, the endor soldier or whatever it's called because they changed the name didn't they it, it wasn't referred to as rebel Commando in the modern line
6: that was one of the things about the modern line that you know they started actually naming these figures i mean in vintage it was you know you had a sand people and then when modern came out it was a, suddenly it was a tuscan raider and you're like well what the heck's a tuscan raider
0: <laughs> and you
6: know the, it was the same thing when you know when the the endor rebel soldier came out it was like no, that's a Rebel Commando. That's not an Endor Rebel soldier. I don't even know what an Endor Rebel soldier is. The first version of that figure came out in 97, 98. And it was around that time that I really kind of rediscovered vintage as a whole. Around that time, you know, you got AOL coming out and and all this other stuff as far as actually getting on the internet. Um, Now, I was kind of a late bloomer with the internet. um, And I didn't really start kind of getting back onto it until about 98 99 but it was once you found rebel soldier you started it was like wait a minute this is that guy you know these were the guys that that went into the indoor bunker i've got that figure and that that figure was cool and <laughs> and uh, you start breaking out your old figures again and that so yeah i guess a little bit of you know that kind of led me back to going into vintage and then i did the the you know i think a lot of people did for a while kind of the split path where you you wanted to assemble your vintage you finally get a whole loose set of vintage figures. I mean, that was the first thing, but you also still collected modern because, you know, it was still something new and fresh to collect. And, and then, yeah. then once, once you got your loose set back, then it was like, okay, now what? And then, yeah, it was about, yeah, 2000 is when I finally decided, you know what? This rebel commando guy is pretty cool. So.
4: And that's when it all started, didn't it? <laughs> that's
3: when it, all it started downhill. It actually,
6: it actually is. That is, I, I, you know, we talk about vivid memories, and I, I have a vivid memory of of buying my you know first Rebel Commando piece. Um, I guess you know because when you start getting into to pre production and things like that, you start referring to them as pieces, and they're no longer toys. <laughs> and um, see, it's, <laughs> as silly as that sounds. That's what I want to ask you to see see so there there we are
4: you've got a few you've got a few modern figures you've, you've probably assembled your vintage collection i mean what 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 at what sort of like time is this is this a kind of like early 2000s late nineties yep. you, you decided on this
6: it was late nineties um, ninety nine I, I just got out of school um, starting my first real job in two thousand um, right out of, of college and I remember stumbling upon eBay. Um, of all things, uh, while you were working, and um, you know, obviously looking at the internet while you're working, and what's the first thing you go to when you're on the internet? You know, you go to eBay, or and back then it was Sir Steve's Guide, and that was you know your, your kind of your your touch points to check out what latest and greatest was coming out. And I remember stumbling on a, onto a website called um, Hollywood Heroes, uh-huh. um, and and some folks will remember that, and you might know it from. Um, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, he actually, that was his website, and he had the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life at that time was a, a rebel commando blueprint, and that's really what kicked it off from there was was buying that blueprint because I had no a no idea what it was, <laughs> it, b it was purely dumb luck that I stumbled upon to it, yeah, and c that I actually had the money the disposable income to, or disposable income to actually purchase that it was. It was kind of one of those perfect storm. Lightning only strikes once, and and man, I'm, and ever since then, two thousand and buying that that stinking blueprint has just been. It's all been downhill from
4: there. <laughs> so, I mean, just how interesting? How, how much did you pay for that? I mean, what was the what was the price and that sort of thing, roughly?
6: Oh, well, I I don't think you want to know. Oh, no, I do. It? I do want to know.
4: I love I love <laughs> I love the price thing because it's like, what makes you? I mean, like I mean, obviously you had your Rebel Commando figure. You've you've now uh-huh. you've now seen something that. That you know, there's sparked this, the, the start of this collection of this is the 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 big bang of your collecting. I mean, I want to know what 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 made you part. I mean, was it a car value or was it a deposit on a house value or was it not that bad?
6: Oh, it was it was not that bad. No, it was <laughs> uh, if I recall, it was um, either ninety or one hundred and twenty-five dollars.
0: Oh, that's nothing. I
4: thought you were gonna say like two I know. grand, <laughs> I two grand or something. No. I thought you, you, you were going the other way. No
6: that's incredible it, that's another thing is, is, is prices back then they just were you know that yeah. yeah 120 dollars to a you know an 18 year old or you know 20 year old is like man that's still a big chunk of money especially when you got yeah, your yeah. first job but it, it seems so much more affordable you know yeah.
4: <laughs> I mean, I've, right. I've worked with people with production lines in, in american stuff and all over the place and you wouldn't think about keeping any of the stuff you throw in the in the in the, the parts bin you know, it's just like, well, that's just production stuff. Let's get rid of it. You know, the QA bags. Well, that, well, why would you keep those? <laughs>
6: well, that's, that's, you know, that's such a valid point. And it's not only just a, a valid point. It's one that's, you know, I really think a lot of people lose sight of, of stuff like that, especially considering, you know, what this meant to the people that were actually producing it. And I think... Um, you know, without getting too philosophical, I worked in the uh, for years. I worked in the print industry, and and it, it is just that. You know, it's a a proof card isn't a proof card. You know, to these guys, it's a yeah. I pull it off the production line to make sure the color's good, and then after that, I just throw it in the scrap heap. You know, or or your your blueprint is is nothing more than just a a, a sketch to make sure I got the the figure. You know, the the proportions and the color right. After that, I'm I'm done with it. And I think that's the fascinating part to you know not only the pre-production side but just the the production process and, and how these figures were created is is that they were they are little works of art when you really start kind of diving into them and, and going through the the uh, ins and outs of them and, and and finding all those little niches of them is is an incredible story. The work that went behind it, the artisans that actually put the time in to to create these things,
4: and that's why people love them because you know you get you get you know a molding made in in this country and and someone did a mold in another country and it was slightly different because obviously you know um, as production goes you know there's little tiny little tiny in- intricacies and in the in the the country of origin marks and this is why people this is this is why suddenly we walk on nuts on this stuff, but that blue granite right. blueprint that must be worth an utter fortune now it must be. If, right. there's a, if there's another uh, rebel commando collector out there, of course.
6: <laughs> well, there there is. There's there's a couple of them. Um, um, you know, and it's actually kind of fun. Um, there, there there isn't many of us. I, I know there's a, a, at least another one. Um, and and we're, we actually get along great. And, and that's the that's the fun part about all this is yeah. is you know you can you can totally go hog wild on on one uh, figure or another, and then. You know, you have twenty other people doing the same thing, and and you can easily collect. There's there's plenty of room to do it, and you can do it without stepping on each other's toes. But you also make good friendships and good contacts along the way, and that's that's one of the most fascinating and, and probably the the most rewarding part of actually collecting is doing that.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I mean, so so you got your blueprint, you got your your, your figure. So I mean, again, I mean, you start collecting a kind of an awkward time really I mean if you talk about the late 90s and stuff so I'm assuming that you, it, you start you start to find a lot of like the carded figures reasonably easy then, well actually
6: actually no it, it it took me a long time to get into carded and it was one of those things that I just it, it just never they never had the same kind of draw to me you know and it was and I didn't know what I was getting into with buying that blueprint and, you know it, it just was one of those cool things that I found and and um Again, with the, the the gateway drug of the internet, um, we're talking about gateway drugs. But um, we, uh, it wasn't until it wasn't until I found Rebel Scum of all places in the late or the mid two thousands. I I lurked for years and years and years before I finally joined up. Yeah. Um, but I, I met a, a fellow collector, and. He really kind of showed me the ropes, and I, and I owe everything I am as far as a collector to this individual, and and uh, unfortunately, he's not collecting anymore, but um, he uh, he's the one that kind of pushed me into getting into carded, and it was about 2004 when I finally decided, you know what, I'll, I'll buy my first carded figure, and, and he and I would bounce back and forth, uh, email after email after email about... You know, well, you should start looking at these because this is, you know, you know, these are where the money's at, and this is where the the rarity is, and you can hold off on buying these. And anyway, it just was a, it was really he laid a lot of the groundwork for, you know, looking to see not only what's out there, but you know where the where the rarity is and why the rarity is there and and things like that. And that that really kind of that right there is what really kind of set everything going forward at full steam ahead was that those conversations
4: with him so, so i would have always thought that a focus collector and this is just me speculating would be to exhaust the kind of like the lower level so you know go for the country of origin figures and then get the carded figures and any kind of loose variations and that sort of stuff and then move in. but it sounds like you you went the other way around which is go straight into the top <laughs> end right it's completely bonkers it's a blueprint <laughs> it's a production samples a hard copy and i'm going that way first so I mean, I'm, assume, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you you started to pick up these pieces then uh, reasonably regularly, then did you?
6: Well, I did, and, and the the first three big pieces were, and they all bought them from Jordan, and they all bought all bought them within the relative short amount of time was was the blueprint, um, uh, DynaCast head, and a and a painted proto mold, and and um, and then it was you know pretty pretty low key from there. I was kind of just kind of doing exactly what you said. You know, you go and buy you know, the loose figures, and and I found out there was only, you know, unfortunately four loose variants of Rebel Commando, and then I, you know, I remember bugging all the big variant guys at the time, um, emailing them after emailing them, this this one version's got to exist, I know it's got to exist, and they'd say, no, it hasn't, you know, nothing's shown up, well, you haven't tried hard enough, you know, that kind (laughs) of BS when you're first, you know, trying to figure out and trying to carve out your niche, and and then um, after talking with the other, the fellow collector, it was like, you know carded is really you know once you once you make that first step into carded yeah you're going to be hooked for for good and and he was uh, spot on as he was with everything else and one of the first figures i bought was a was a carded meccano um and uh that that was one of the bigger purchases that i've ever made um at least today to that at that time as far as focusing on rebel commando
4: yeah because that's that, that i mean that's a hell of a way to start i mean I mean, I had. I mean, <laughs> when me when, when when I got into back into collecting a couple of years ago, I'd never heard of a Meccano Star Wars thing. the what on earth was that? Because I mean, Macano to me was small bits of metal you put together with screws and made, you know, spaceships. Yeah, like a an director's set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't. I think in, I was in my head was going, "Oh yeah, really?" There was like, you know, I was imagining the Millennium Falcon made out of like metal sheets and stuff. It never occurred to me; that it was just like a toy company. <laughs> it just never occurred that these yeah, things it, existed. But that is, I mean, Singers one went at auction recently for two and a half thousand pounds, which is about you know at the time was about over over three thousand dollars. I mean, that's that's incredible. What a, I mean, you really did go. In, you definitely came in the back way. So I mean,
6: yeah, I went in. <laughs> I went in off the deep end, as for darn sure,
4: because I, I was surprised. I mean, I, I was looking at the um, sort of range of of card variants. Of, I was actually surprised for. A return of jedi figure there was a lot released on you know various cars i mean without listing them all to the point of boredom um you know there's 79 (laughs) 77 65 65b 65 um, you know 79c blah 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 there's there's loads when i've looked at other return of jedi figures and there's you know maybe you know five or six but it seemed to come out on every single you know variation now i can speculate on two reasons and it's probably neither of them but uh, I'm assuming that one, it was a figure that maybe people were army building, so it was a figure that did quite well. Um, or right. on the flip side, maybe they just put it on every single card to try and yeah, because they made loads of them. I mean, do, do do you know why it came out on so many cards? I
6: well, yeah, I think you know you're kind of you're kind of hitting the he- nail on the head with f- is, is, is your speculations as far as is it is is it because it was army building or was it because of X Y or Z? You know, I think another. Um, factor into it that a lot of people kind of overlook is is he was part of the the 65 lineup the you know the 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 first wave of figures that came out on jedi cards and so that's why i think that he's available in such a huge breadth and width of of carded variations because he you know, it's like the it's like the original Luke Skywalker. You know, he came out on a 12A. Well, he got carried across the entire line. Yeah. You know, I think so. I think the same can be said with the original 65. You know, you see um, Rebel Commando Admiral Ackbar, um, You know, Bib Fortuna. Those squid Squidhead, I think, was on the 65 as well. Um, you know, you see a lot of those variations on those figures too. So.
4: I've a bit cheeky, and I've, I've read an interview you did, and uh, I know that one of your little <laughs> mini passions is the uh, tri-logo. Because, again, uh, until actually Grant points out to me the day when we were kind of talking about this figure, the artwork is totally different. It's glaringly colourful. It, 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 was there any reason why they, they, they kind of up the colour on the tri-logo card at all? I mean, it, it's it, very
6: it, green, and, and I think I think it was actually to match the figure. You know, that would be my speculation, is, is like, well, we got this very green figure, you know, he's going to be released on this Tri-Logo when they were trying to consolidate, you know, getting away from the Meccano, getting away from the Palatoy and PvP, stuff like that. And so I think, I think that's when they looked at it and they're like, well, we got to make this kind of match a little bit more to the figure. That would be my assumption is why they, they greened him up so much that they did.
4: I use the Star Wars Tracker uh, website by our good friend Jerry mm-hmm. Cope for for all my kind of like st- information prices and stuff. And I've only, I've only seen like one no, I've just seen one Trilogo card, and that's it. But apparently, right. I mean, isn't there like four variations or something? Where on earth are these things?
6: Well, the, you know, the, it's funny because the the tri logos, and it goes back to your point about collecting the the country of origins and collecting the loose variants. It's funny how everything you do as a collector is kind of cyclical. At least, you know, for some folks. Obviously, collecting is different for everybody. But you were talking about you know coming up. You know through the ranks and building your collection that you you go loose set and then you go into this and then you go into that and one of the things that that you do a lot you see a lot of and, and a lot of folks do go this way is you go you go for your loose variations and you go for your country of origins and your you know made in made in hong kong and made in taiwan and and it's funny because a lot of that kind of portends over to the carded side of things and and that's what's fascinating about the TriLogos is because they were doing such a combination of um, they were trying to get away from the the branded individual branded cards of Palatoy and PVP and Meccano and still manufactured the TriLogo cards in those those factories. Yeah. And so you have a lot of those minute differences um, on TriLogos. Um, that uh, th- that show up in, in in the same kind of context that you do for a country of origin figure or a, or a loose variant, um, and they're just little tiny little variants, and it's mostly to do with the bubble. It's fascinating to find out those little intricacies that are there. So you know your German and your your Meccano and your PBP tri logos, they they still exist, although it's all you know on a standardized card back. So what do you have kind of like a holy grail? No, the, the Holy Grail for me was a Kenner 79A. Okay. Um, now, the Tri-Logo, um, the Holy Grail for me would have been was the uh, small bubble uh, Makano, or I guess in some circles, I guess, Joe's probably going to kill me, but uh, Palatoy 2 or 3, I can't remember what version it is, and again, Joe's probably screaming at this <laughs> podcast as I say these things, but is the holy grail with the small bubble yeah. and then after that is the, the the german and the only way you can tell the german parker difference is the hanger tab on it um it's cut different than all the others and then you've got the you know the small bubble and the large bubble or the uh, indented bubble again joe's going to kill me <laughs> um versus the rounded bubble but yeah so those are your your kind of your standard tri-logos um, and again, not everything was released for every figure, and, and Rebel Commando seems to have kind of um, been the exception of that rule because he has quite a few variants. But one of the other really cool things with with TriLogo is, is there's a lot of miscards out there, and um, I happen to, to own a miscard Rebel Commando with a um, Haas Rebel Soldier on it, and uh, it's really a pretty cool piece, um, and he's he's one of my Favorites, but yeah, I would say the the Meccano Trilogo, Tri or Palatoy Two or whatever. Joe, again, sorry. Um, Don't worry, he'll <laughs> it, will it come on logo. and correct you. Don't worry,
4: come. On, we'll get him on. Oh, to, I know to... he's going
6: to correct me. He's probably <laughs> he's, he's probably going to get on Star Wars forum and just hammer me <laughs> on this one. So, I know. See, and the, and the interesting thing about the Tri is is a lot is a lot more is kind of coming to light, okay. and they used to call him McCano. Logos, but I guess um, Palatoy also released a certain variant that's almost identical, and and really the only way you can tell the Meccano from this Palatoy version apart is if if the Meccano says um, you know the the made in France or it has a French price sticker on it, and I guess literally other than that you can't tell, and so for the longest time until they discovered this other Palatoy version. Um, they would consider all of these Meccano. And it, I guess that's uh, simply not always the case, which again is, is part of the fascinating thing about tri-logos is here we are in 2016. And, you know, within the last few years, we discovered something else out, you know, and, and so that's, that's kind of the fun part about focus collecting is you can, is, is narrow and is, is, is focused, you know, pun intended as you can get with this stuff there's still so much out there that we're just still now just kind of discovering. Like I, like I told you about the Meccano tri-logo, it was, a, it was a holy grail for the longest time, and there were only two in existence into a, in, that existed in a, in a French collector's uh, collection. And I never thought in a million years I'd ever get a chance to own one. Actually, within the last two to three years, I've had a chance to buy two of them. I sold one in, a, in an effort to fund the purchase of the other. And so that's, it's, just, it's just crazy how that stuff works.
4: So I'm assuming you've got a full range of the carded figures that, that you know, exist. then.
6: The last two that I, I need. And, and it's when you start kind of buying up all the carded figures, um, you quickly find out which ones are, are unattainable. And, um, so, so I have, but I, you, you do the best you can. And so I've got two card backs of, of the PVP, um, release, but I don't have carded, a carded version of either PVP release. And, and not sh- what i mean by the the releases of the pvp is they they came out with two different um offer cards one was a red background and the other one's a black background and um I'm, i i have a card back for each one of them but i do not have a carded one and those would probably be the last well i guess i can't say that <laughs> so here you go um <laughs> I think there's a Singapore import sticker I, I don't have and then, you know, one of the one of the coolest things I think would to ever show up for me at least would be um you know, there's a little known um sticker, a fan club sticker, Star Wars fan club sticker that only um was released in, in Singapore and it's this big gnarly red sticker that usually takes up half the card. But um I don't know that a, a Rebel Commando one of those has shown up and I think that would be that would probably be one of the holiest grails to show up for me it would be that uh, uh, a uh, either a card a carded figure or a card back of that Singapore fan club offer.
4: Cool. I, I believe um, that the Rebel Commander figure also appeared in um, a few other bits and pieces. It, it appears in some of the multi packs, didn't he?
6: Yep. And i Multi packs, two packs. Yep. Did you have you ever
4: picked up the the Woolworths bag?
6: no you know i haven't i've I've actually been tempted a few times um i saw one just recently a a friend of mine had had a woolworth bag and it actually had a rebel commando in it and he bought it because he was a he's a jawa collector yeah and uh he showed it to me and you know i gotta say you know i'm not much of a baggy guy personally i've got one okay um and i and i have a a multi-pack uh box but i gotta say those woolworth bags are pretty darn cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I, I know they're, they're nothing to write home about, but man, that's cool. And and actually, one of the one of the coolest pieces I own um, is you know because one of the side things I do is I, I collect uh, indoor um, the indoor Forest Ranger that vehicle that mini rig because Rebel Commando's on it, so clearly there's a connection. One of the coolest pieces I own is a is a box Trilogo indoor Rebel Commando, and it has this gaudy huge. Woolworth sticker going across it, and I've actually only seen one, and I've never seen another one, and I just had to own it just because of, you know the Woolworth thing. But it's this big red Woolworth sail sticker. It's pretty cool. I'm trying to think actually, how many ships and and other
4: things does the Royal Commander actually appear on?
6: Um, well, that's the only ship as far as I know. He's got, you know, the Endor Forest Ranger. Yeah. Um, there's a few other little little odds and ends, and that's kind of the fun part to me now is finding the the various little things that yeah. I can get in get myself into. I was in the Washington, D.C. collector event over the summer, and, and I got the tour in an incredible collection from Jonathan McElwin. He focuses on... A lot of food premiums and, and uh, package artwork and stuff from from various food lines across the, the globe. And one of the coolest things he had, at least in my opinion, I'm sure others might not think it was that cool, uh, was a, uh, a decoder disc from a cereal promotion in Australia. <laughs> um, and, and it has it's that it's that famous scene of Han and Chewie and, and Princess Leia walking out of the bunker on Endor. And I'm sure it's supposed to be, you know, a Han indoor kind of centric piece, but it also has Rebel Commandos all over the back of it. So <laughs> court, I had to I had to find that. I actually ended up finding one. Um, but that, there's also Presto Magic pieces that okay. have really cool Rebel Commando art, and there's UK versions of those. Um, I think they were released under Action Transfers over in the UK, um, and I think there's actually a spanish version of him too if i recall he doesn't exist on much but what he does exist on you know i, I do try to go track it down just <laughs> are you now going <laughs> beyond the toys i i am you know and, and actually it's, it's kind of funny um back in the early 90s steve sansweet released a book called from concept to screen to collectible yeah um and if you haven't picked it up it's definitely worth grabbing but you know that it, when you mentioned earlier about um ways to kind of during the dark times of collecting it was books like that that kind of kept the the fire burning and that book just blew me away on the the things that he had in that book and it was things like the canadian Jawa plush or the you know the inappropriate c3po tape dispenser or <laughs> um the the rump mugs and it's those kind of things that i remember you know, about my early days of collecting. So I guess you can say that I, I've always kind of been an oddball collector, if you will, because I've always been drawn to that sort of stuff. And it, it's just one of those things that I've never taken the time to, to collect because, you know, there's always that fear. If I start collecting, you know, the oddball stuff, then I'm going to miss out on a carded rebel commando. And, um, so you've got so, them all anyway. That, don't need any more of them. <laughs> Well, come on now. There's always more, um, so th- that's actually kind of fun for me is finding the the oddball stuff that have Rebel Commando on it, and it's that to me is, is that kind of getting back to the collector roots and yeah. and and just kind of striking out on your own path, you know what I'm mean? blazing your own trail if you know what I mean, and, and seeing what else is out there, and that to me that's where the fun lies now.
4: What's like the most recent piece, a uh, non-figure related that
6: you picked up? Funnily enough, or it was the uh, that uh, premium that picture disc from okay. from Australia right when i got back from that uh, trip in, in uh, dc actually on facebook one of those picture discs showed up and i snatched that thing up like you wouldn't believe so <laughs> i absolutely love it it came from a very well known collector in australia and and i i absolutely, absolutely adore it um because it is so random and and it was so um, apropos with coming out of um, DC and, and marveling at Jonathan's wonderful collection and then and then actually thinking to myself man I'm going to spend how many years trying to track that down and again dumb luck here you go on Facebook and <laughs> and find one of these so. so I mean I mean
4: you said there's other Rebel Commando um collects out there I mean how does your how's your collection compare to theirs I mean are you are you still kind sort of like you know behind them or are you overtaking them or are you are you up there with them? I mean, do, do you look at their collections and sort of go, you know, what would mine are for that?
6: Well, the, and that's the other unfortunate part, and and we've kind of all alluded to it all along. This, you know, our little chat here is there's so much stuff out there, um, and actually, unfortunately for my wallet, there's so much stuff that exists in the pre-production side of it. Yeah. Um, that being said, there is a, another rebel commando collector. He, he's under the radar. I, I really don't want to mention his name. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Um, um, but uh, he has he has an incredible collection of things. Um, that yeah, I would I would absolutely adore to own. But again, knowing that they're in a good home and knowing that they're in yeah. with a great guy is is all I need. So I know they're out there. But but yeah, you know. There was another guy that existed. um, I think he actually sold up not too long ago. He was in the U.K. He was on the U.K. uh, forums there for a while, and and he was going like gangbusters. And and I think he ended up selling up not too long ago, within the last, oh, six months or so. um, He was even writing little guides about Rebel Commando and and seeing the differences in the figures. And I I think, I don't know if he just kind of hit a wall or what, but he, he ended up selling up, so. I, I, there's there's a handful of us, but we're dwindling numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you
4: have a tattoo of Rebel Commando.
6: Actually, you know, it's up to two tattoos now. Two tattoos? Oh, my goodness. One. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I got another one in Anaheim, um, and it was with my... Um, and, and I can't believe I'm admitting this on a vintage show. Come and, on. And we, we may have to do this on another episode, but... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh man, I can't believe I'm gonna tell you this. You it. don't know it. it, but uh, um he's actually with my other focus um figure is Jar Jar Binks.
4: <laughs> well it's not I'll that just embarrassing. Let that soak in for that's, a minute. <laughs> that's fine. You, you, it's, it's a Star Wars thing, that's okay. There'll be people, there'll be people <laughs> yeah, out yeah. there who'll be going, Oh my goodness, what is all that about? <laughs> so so, so well, how, the... how, how how in depth is your Jar Jar Binks collection then? Just out interest. My
6: my Jar Jar Bakes is is very in depth actually. It's, now, now that I say that, um, and it's that that collection just is purely out of fun and and kind of a little bit of tongue in cheek, but uh, actually a lot of tongue in cheek. But um, it it all started um, with my mother in law found a life size Jar Jar at a garage sale here in town. <laughs> um, she called me up saying saying I found this Star Wars thing. <laughs> at a a garage sale and you know she would find any sort of modern thing and call me up and tell me about the Star Wars stuff she found and I was like oh okay that's cool and she's like no you gotta come see this it's like life size and here I am thinking it's a one of those cardboard cutouts that you see in you know like the the movie stores and stuff like that I was like oh you know that's cool you know don't worry about it she goes no you need to come see it it's like seven feet tall and I'm like oh yeah that sounds cool but she goes no it's like it's like real life. And I, I started thinking, what on earth is she talking about? And uh, she says, well, just come down here and check it out. And it was only a couple of minutes away. So I drove down there and sure enough, it was a one of those uh, Frito-Lay Pepsi standee or uh, life size sculpture store displays of Jar Jar of all things. And the guy wanted $75 for it. And I said, you know what? I'll take it.
0: <laughs> and uh,
6: so, yeah, here I am driving down through town with my truck with a, seven-foot Jar Jar hanging out the back, getting people <laughs> staring at me. And that's, that's he's sitting here looking at me right now. But, uh, um, yeah, that's what kicked off the whole Jar Jar thing. And, and actually, so so the tattoo in Anaheim, um, that, you, my second Rebel Commando is Rebel Commando and Jar Jar, and they got their arm around each other, and it says <laughs> no hate underneath it.
4: Because <laughs> the uh the your first tattoo is just a, it's just the rebel commando head, isn't it? Describe it to us.
6: It's when we were talking about my uh, early purchases uh, with Jordan, my girlfriend at the time, who eventually became my wife, um, actually bought me that piece as a gift, um, and it's a it's a hard copy head of rebel commando. Okay. And um, so I decided that you know that that's probably the one piece that I probably. A, will never sell, and B, you know, will just kind of go with me to the grave. Um, and so I, you know, thought, well, what better way to, to immortalize that than getting a tattoo of it? So um, I got a tattoo of that on my chest, and underneath it says, True Love.
4: Bootlegs. Oh, yes, bootlegs. Now, now I believe there is some Rebel Commando bootlegs doing the rounds. How in depth have you got into bootlegs?
6: really got really excited for it for a while just because again it was something new something different and there's so many different colors and different variations out there for the the polish rebel commando and then not too long ago one one of the big discoveries out of bootlegs was there was there were multiple sizes of the polish unarticulated lines so there's a small version and a large version and and, uh, so that got fun for a little while but it kind of it kind of reached its peak once you, you know, you set out to get a like a a red one or a blue one or something. And once you got it, it was like, well, I don't need you know every color of the rainbow. So <laughs> I, I've got a handful of them, and they're they're really cool to have. Now, one of the other interesting things about the bootlegs that actually is kind of a little known fact, I think, is that uh, there was a line of Polish bootlegs. Um, they're referred to as the deluxe. There's a AT. Um, an Adat driver, ATAT driver, however um, the nomenclature is. <laughs> let's, not,
4: let's not start that um, one again.
6: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? There's a Gamorian guard, a Reyes, and one other that is not coming to me off the top of my head. Anyway, um, one of the weapons for the Adat driver is a bootleg Rebel commando rifle without the strap. So that was kind of a fun little discovery that I made a couple years ago that about that figure. So I had, you know. Obviously I had to pick one of those up too. So.
4: <laughs> is it just Polish bootlegs?
6: I wish there was a model trim. There unfortunately isn't, which is kind of odd because they they, they seem to go all around it. They went you know Luke Jedi and they they did a couple of the the Jabba goons and things like that. But uh, um, so there's no model trim. Only Polish. There's I don't think a Mexican has shown up yet, or I don't even think there one exists. So I think Polish. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Polish is the only one.
4: I must say a massive thanks to Chris Botkins for joining me on the podcast. The actual length of the recording was around the three-hour mark as we chatted about everything from football coaching to his Oral B collection. And I hope to catch up with him at a Star Wars celebration in Orlando.
1: This time last year, we all set ourselves a little task of five items, which we planned to purchase in 2016. And we did say whoever performed the poorest was uh, going to be doing a forfeit, which we'll decide on tonight and will be done next time we all get together. So, Pete, we're going to go through your go on. list first. I've got them here. So we'll see how you did. So a hand Solo mock. Any hand Solo mock.
4: Yes, yes. Which one did you get? I got the Han Solo best spin figure.
1: Okay. A complete A-Wing pilot. No. No, I think well, you picked yes. up a that pilot, didn't you? But you haven't got the gun yet. An ESB Bizarre Oddball item. And I've got written in my book when we did this that the team would have to decide whether it actually was a Bizarre Oddball item or just an Oddball item. So hit us, Pete, with what you think is your Bizarre Oddball item.
4: <laughs> Well, I think it's been upgraded and it is the R2-D2 and Yoda sun catcher from lee wards jez rich are we happy with that
3: i say it's bizarre
4: i don't think it can get more bizarre than that especially as she is, it's if you if you see the thing it's a, a lovely card back with lovely lots of little pictures of the other ones you can get in the series uh, in the middle, you have like a wireframe Yoda and a wireframed RTD2. And at the bottom, the design of the card helps this. this, There is um, several bags of small crystals, mm. coloured crystals. And then you you unload those into the into the, the wireframe. You put them in the oven and you bake them and they kind of form a kind of, uh, I would say, probably a bit like a church window effect.
2: OK, so were these ones which were readily available on our Facebook group recently?
4: Well... Someone was selling them, yeah, Nick Dykes was selling them, but only a, only a set, and I got so one of
2: them. if there were quite a few being sold, could you consider it to be bizarre or just more come on a garden? In fact, you know, pretty dull.
4: <laughs> yes, yes, there's like one set that's
1: been seen in the last... Like, uh, actually, mate, you no. say that. You say that Richard Temple actually listed some about
4: two days ago.
2: Mm. So, oh, yeah. in fact, I would say there's a glut of them on the market at the moment.
4: A <laughs> glut? Uh, yeah. so I think everything you guys will offer will be a glut, you show me any sun catch there to, in fact, you know, Richard Temple's ones are the ones he didn't buy off Nick Dykes.
1: Well, I don't, but
2: that's not the point, they're still for
4: sale. <laughs> well,
2: actually, I think
4: you just shut yourself
2: in the foot not, there because get, of, quite clearly, Richard, if he did buy them off um, Mr. Dykes, just thought, Oh, these are crap, I'm gonna get rid of them. And uh, the, so he's, he's trying to flog them on. So they're not only are they not irrelevant, bizarre. No, we no longer call things oddballs. They're beyond the toys. So bizarre, no. Oddballs, no. Actually, are they enjoyable? No, because he's trying to flog them. You
0: lose. So basically, all the-
2: basically,
1: Pete has bought an ESB item for his gammy crack. Indeed,
4: <laughs> that has to be one. Otherwise, there is no point to any of the stuff I Just put the same arguments over.
2: I will the same give you
11: thing. one
2: quarter portion.
4: <laughs> this is a very pointless exercise. I'm just going to argue that the same with all of your items.
1: Pete, uh, did you get a white bespin guard mock? Yes. And a C3PO
2: Yes.
1: Well done. So you got three and a quarter portions. Oh
4: come Wait on! You, you, you <laughs> cannot give me three and a quarter. That's ridiculous.
2: But can anyone just say yes? Could you say to me, Jez? Did you get yourself a pinhead hand? to back Star Wars card and I'll just say yes and and you'll accept I've
4: that got them,
2: I've, got, I've got them all do I take pictures of them i take pictures yes. Of them. You, yes I do quite
4: frankly <laughs> and if you
2: can't provide mm. them right now no point. I, I need evidence provided in front
1: of this forum okay so while Pete is taking photos we'll go and do Richard's list so Rich a French Trilogo R5 mint on card
3: yep got that one
1: a 12 inch Obi-Wan saber
3: still waiting. Three years, I'm counting.
1: Uh, A loose ISP-6.
3: I got a loose underboxed one because Jess wasn't happy with the first one.
1: Well, I must admit, you really pushed the boat out when you chose your list with a loose ISP-6, eh? Orange and yellow sets of
3: top cards. I thought I had them both, but I've only got the yellow set. I don't think I've got the orange (laughs) set.
1: Bad luck. It has to be all of it to get a complete point. Nothing there. A die-cast tie-bomber. Nope. So, Rich has scored two. can I score
3: two when I've got three of the items.
1: Wait, where's your third one? ISP six and your French trilogo. logo.
3: Yeah. What was where's what was third? the other ones?
1: Yeah. Type bomber diecast oh, and uh, an orange two... and yellow tops cards. Yeah. You okay. I've
3: got you. Miscoated. Two. two and a half. Two out of five.
1: Yeah, you're not getting a half for that. That's one whole thing.
3: Two
4: <laughs> out of five. That's <laughs> very not good. very poor.
1: Well, we're going to go to Jez last because um, I like Jez's list. I haven't done any better than Rich to be honest with you. Sigma tape dispenser. I've looked for one all the time. And only one came up and it was ridiculously priced, so haven't got it. A Greedo 20 back, I did get that, minty one. A Luke Fineboy minton card, nope. Ken a Death Star, I picked that up. And a Yak Face mock, well, I tell you what, for the prices, no chance of that happening. So two for me as well. So Pete, with your three and a quarter portions, you're leading. So It's a lot more than that. I have got Grant's list here, just so we know who is the loser. Try Logo layer Hoff on it, I know he hasn't got that. He's also got the Tri Logo Imperial Gunner, which he hasn't got. FX7 on Return of the Jedi, which he hasn't got. c 3 p on Return of the Jedi, which he hasn't got. But he did pick up the Vinyl Cake jars, so he has one off his list.
4: Very, very poor.
1: So we're going to go to Jez, who needs one and a quarter portions.
2: Can you just remind me what it is I uh, I needed to get?
1: Yep, we're going to go through it now, Jez. You have got a loose skiff. Yeah,
2: love that skiff.
1: A cool missed card, not including any of Jabba's goons
2: yeah 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 common common don't um, want that
1: a dt luke skywalker a
2: three pack yeah, it's quite a tough list isn't it
1: and a takara wind-up r2
2: what was i thinking <laughs>
1: i think that's the whole point Jez. you weren't thinking
2: yeah well
10: no, you,
1: you said actually gave me you actually gave me six last year Jez. i don't know why
2: mm, mm, I, I did one,
1: one off because i think you got it i will yes. just go with these five all oh, right
2: so the one i got you said right i'm gonna take that one off because he got it right okay <laughs> um well this is not fair what i'm gonna do you want to get some feedback i hope you don't get some feedback what i'm gonna do now is unplug my mic and unplug my headphones and i'm gonna play you something hopefully this will work okay guys hang, yep. on. hang on can you still hear me now yep so yeah Ian, I'm just uh just seeing uh if there's anything which you've got up for sale you know soon you know i i'm looking for a, a three pack i'm looking for a, a dt luke uh, I'm looking for a Skiff and a Miscard, non-Jabagoon. So if you've got any nice Miscards or even a Takara Wind-Up R2, have you got any of those things, mate? Um, Right, I could do the Skiff.
12: Right, I think yeah. I've got an R2 somewhere. And then Miscard. Let me have a little think
2: about Miscard. Well, let's let's talk about the Skiff. Well, obviously, um, me and you have done loads of you know favours for each other and stuff like that. So should we just go for the usual uh, amount?
12: I mean, yeah, for yeah. this? So if we
2: do it like a nominal nominal pound. A pound, right? So if I now send you a pound, da, 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 PayPal, and I, I am going to do this now, mate. I'm just uh,
10: well, using my thumbprint to
2: log on on my iPhone. Other phones are available. Let's uh, so little look. Um, da, 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 Send money a pound or iron oh, oh, yeah. look you you were the first one there i was
12: it? gonna say should be in your favorites yeah, by now you're, you're right? in there
2: there you go a pound and uh let's do this right close that one down review and send send them to friends and family uh friends and family yeah absolutely and send in now so um <laughs> that wouldn't have been fair if you hadn't have gifted that one <laughs> <laughs> hang on ready let's see done i'll probably get a an email any second to say you've just sent a pound and uh, uh yeah there we go so am um, mine technically hey, now the owner good. there of you are the so
12: the skiff is now yours right brilliant. so now the takara oh. again there you go yeah, that was email say, yeah, brilliant yeah,
2: they're
12: all good so the takara i have it obviously then got a carded one they're like
0: no up. i don't need but one of those um,
2: just, just a takara i've got a, i've got a loose one Perfect. i
12: think don't know if all the stickers are there but it's I don't think we
2: specified it, actually. I mean, I don't think we specified it. I just said it, it's a Takara R2. So uh, Okay. All you right.
12: Know,
2: even if you've got a stickerless beta one, I'd be happy. Yeah, no,
12: it's not, it's not beta for sure. Okay, so I've got the skiff going to you anyway, so yep. we know the codes cost. So I reckon probably uh, I still owe you, don't I? So what do you reckon? Another two? What about two quid for that one? Two quid? Yeah,
2: I'd say two, two pounds. <laughs>
12: yeah. you, you were tempted to
11: put, try and beat me down.
2: Yeah,
0: anyway.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two pounds, right. Okay, let's go for that. <laughs> two pounds. <laughs> right, okay. Two pounds going to come on its way to you. For, so uh, that's Skiff and the yeah. R2. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. R2. Now, I meant to ask you, actually, mate, the other day about shops and stuff in America. You yeah. know, if you cast your mind back to when you were here and there was the uh, buy one, get one, freeze, or sometimes buy two, get third, free. Yeah. I, I was thinking, you know, because it's Christmas and everything, that maybe we could do <laughs> something similar. I, I've just bought two items from you. Um, <laughs> so, so have you got a, a miss card or a missed, missed card I could have, maybe? What have I got? I've got an R two. Oh. R
12: two R two sensor on a R two pop up.
2: Perfect. Oh, should we do that as a bog off? As a buy one, get one free sort of
12: <laughs> I I think most people would tell you to bog off me
11: definitely. honey. Oh
12: man, as it's you and as I owe you, then yeah, let's do that then. <sighs> so Buy
2: I the skills, Yeah.
12: Buy the R two Takara, yeah. and you get the, the uh the R two uh, Oh. Yeah, two miscard
2: for free. So Jeez, I'm now mate. the owner. I think of... you owe me a beer next. Yeah, you, definitely. Sure. Well, I'll see you in Orlando, mate. Lovely. I now technically own all those three. So, you in
4: do. your face, podcast guys. You need you need them in hand, Jess. That's the problem.
5: No, no, I own them. That,
4: it doesn't matter. Okay. It, it, it doesn't matter. I, I own something that I, know I have no, actually no longer bought. But I own it. It's not good enough, Jez.
3: Imagine <laughs> you're one that's amazed that Jez has been mildly funny.
4: I can't believe Jez, <laughs> yep. who's
1: telling me sometimes it's too busy to Skype with us, has got time <laughs> to mess around like that. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> I did that about an hour ago. <laughs> so, can um, I
1: just... can we, Let's just talk about those three items, then. Do we think a cool card is an R2 on a different R2? I nah. think a cool card is... It's not cool. Be
0: that's not different. cool
1: item
4: awesome. no, definitely different
1: cards so we'll scrap that one because that's not a cool no 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 no, card. no
2: no no because not, not cool it's... in my book guys you just don't know cool cool is just you know subtle and the subtlety is this year's black it's just cool it just so
1: happens that the takara R two. listen to this just hi Ian. Ah, uh, yeah you can cause something. <laughs> <What
9: the hell? laughs>
1: That's came at the fog. So basically, Jez, what you are honestly saying is you've got zero. No, not at all. I technically you heard the email. You heard it. Okay, pe- okay, Jez, I tell you what. Okay. Yep.
0: Yep.
1: We yep. <laughs> will take your word for this. This is this is liable. You, you, this is this is being recorded and if you're lying,
2: then I hope you get court martialed. <laughs> <laughs> not I think you guys are taking this far too seriously. I have sent Ian Sanderson some money, and we've got an agreement that technically I own those three items. It's just sending them
1: to you for your collection.
2: He's just going to look after them for me. Um, but oh. I own them. It's like when you adopt a lemur at the zoo, you know. You—but it's not even like that. I don't even know why I said that because this is not adoption. I own it. Uh, While well, but... basically
4: adopting figures, uh, Star Wars. On... <gasps> oh, don't
2: matter. I own it. And, and if you remember, if you go back to the beginning, he said, "Well, yeah, I know how much the postage is, and I'll, I'll put it in the same package. So it's it sounds the like way. I own it. It's all cool." I tell you what worries me is
1: he's he's getting favours off Ian, buying things at a pound. I saw your prices at Five and From when you were selling up your collection, and you were blatantly <laughs> flipping.
2: I yeah. tell you what, I, I put my hand on my heart that those three items you will not find me selling to anyone ever by stealing them. Because you'll never own them, that's No, no, I do technically own them. Did you not listen? I own those items. Seriously, I have three points, plus the one from the sixth item, which Stuart removed. (laughs) So three plus one beats Pete's three and a quarter. I win! I win! In fairness, fairness, the Takara wind-up was the
1: slash with the other items you can't have both the palatoy x-wing well i uh, got
2: that anyway didn't i exactly
1: so you, you've got a point there three okay, okay i'll give you a point there so you've okay. got one
3: did you not hear the vt just now so it was a joint feel between grant and jez so it's a double no. trouble no. kind a of no. double,
8: a no. double fail Seriously
3: i i'm owed at least a point for
2: doing that with ian anyway <laughs> so therefore grant's lost
1: I'll tell you what lads, let's go to another catch up. I've gotta change the order slightly here. We're gonna go to Chris Caswell because Jez's done this catch-up and let's see if Jez could get his three pack knocked off while we're online.
2: (laughs) Back to episode three of the podcast. He stays in the shadows and then when he needs to, bang, he's there with some information. He's a classy collector, and if the rumors are true, is actually a rocket scientist. Welcome back to the podcast. chris (laughs) chris caswell <laughs>
7: hello Jez. what an intro that was uh, that was quite something i really really want to encourage people
2: to go back to episode three because it's it's full of great information you are the go-to man for three packs that was in what, july 2014 what what's happened in the last couple of years three packs wise
7: Wow. so As long ago as that. And yeah, there's been some news. There's been some bits and pieces. I've definitely not been as active as uh, as I was in those days. Um, but there's been some interesting news. Shortly after we spoke, in October of 2014, something kind of unprecedented happened uh, and a full set of 16 uh, went up for sale at Sotheby's. He had a full set of 16 plus he had a, I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure you would have done, but the Series 3 Empire Strikes Back, you know the white engineering test pilot sets? Yes. Okay, so he had one of those, and it was the Bespin set, which is um, C-3PO removal limbs, Cloud Car Pilot, and Ugnor And he had the engineering pilot set of that, so full set of 16 and that, and uh, yeah, they went up for sale, and uh, yeah, got, got snapped up for what I thought was a really, really keen price. So I think someone did really well.
2: Because when you say a, a, a king price, now I wanted to come on to this. When you were in, in your interview and you were discussing prices, and you were discussing about the trifectas and what those fetch, yeah. you did say that you were thinking that a full set of sixteen could possibly reach up to a hundred thousand dollars
7: that's it yeah I I kind of stand by that and that's why this one when the the full set came up I was anticipating it to go for a lot more than it did it sold for $60,000 which is about I don't know back then it was 45,000 pounds I think something like that which is a lot you know it's a lot of money by you know any stretch of the imagination let's not kid ourselves but in terms of yeah, trying to put that run together again, you'd be paying yeah more than that. Yes. I mean, it's all, it all comes down to condition, like anything. And I, it didn't give exact specifics about condition. So it could be that a couple of the sets were a little bit ropey. But, you know, regardless, I, I think someone's done pretty well there.
2: Was this one of the sets which you were aware about? Because you, Stu, and Grant were saying that, back, yeah, we think there's between, say, three and five possibly full sets. Now, is is this an extra set or?
7: No, this this is one that I did know about, yeah. Now,
2: when you've seen, as, as we all have, prices rise quite staggeringly over the last couple of years. Now, has there been much apart from that one in, in October 14?
7: Well, I think this is probably why I've been keeping a low profile, Jess. <laughs> Yeah, the prices have just got absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't matter, you know, carded figures, uh, you know, anyth- anything red, you know, it's just gone gone through the roof. I think people are finding it really du- tough to access the market. Um, and I think more people are, are kind of shopping around and, and looking at different avenues, getting more into oddball stuff or looking at different things that they would never have normally thought of before um but yeah i mean there's there's certainly been sales there's things been happening it's not you know not on my end uh but people have been buying and selling three packs there's been some notable sales recently um certainly on the facebook groups more and more sales are happening there seemingly
2: yeah now there's obviously several different ways to do it now as you said we've got we've got all the auction houses ebay still the facebook groups you always had said that it was the three packs which were just Done very much in a in a non-public way, uh, and I'm sure that's still the case for a lot of three packs, though.
7: Yeah, I think so. I think that I, I always maintain that the toughest sets, the really the ones that are really difficult to find, like you say the tri, the trifecta, the Series One Empire Strikes Back sets, um, a couple of the Series Two sets as well. In, in particular, the 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 Rebel set with two one B and Leia Hoth, That is that's a killer set to try and find. Those sort of sets, they just don't come up on the open market. And, um, you know, they, that that hasn't changed. They're still not coming up on the open market. But some of the more, you know, slightly more common sense are appearing on Facebook. You know, I don't know if you know, uh, I'm sure I can mention this, Zach Tan. Yeah. Do you know Zach? Yeah. So he, he came up on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, I think, selling five or six sets. And, um, you know, they got snapped up within 24 hours, literally. You know, I, I went to sleep one night, woke up in the morning, and he'd sold four or five three-packs. So, you know, the demand is there. Um, yeah, absolutely. And Facebook's such a good platform because so many people see it. And, um, you know, raises the profile. And I think when they're put out on a profile, on a platform like that, people think, oh, I better snap out because so many people are seeing this. And, you know, if I don't act now, then someone else is going to get on on them. And, yeah, he sold them, I think, probably less than 12 hours.
2: And and price-wise nowadays, I mean, I, I can't remember from when I was looking at the creature set, uh, which was the one which really caught my eye, I think, not only just for the characters, but for the colours. I think a few years ago, that was in the vicinity of about 1800
7: Yeah, the creature set is... Yeah, it's also one of my favourites, I should point out. I think it's a great-looking set. Um, historically, it's, it's been the easiest, or one, certainly one of the easiest sets to pick up. Mm. Um, if it's not the easiest, then it's probably the second easiest after the Series 2 best bin set. Um, and it used to be, you know, I remember when I first got into three-packs, it was always hovering around the £1,000 mark, you know, C8 condition, sealed. You could get it for about a grand. Um, nowadays I think yeah Zach actually sold one in that um, extravaganza sale that he had yeah uh, and I think he was asking price was around about $3,000 and I think he, he I think he got very close to that and it wasn't in the best condition so yeah th- things have moved on a lot you know that's uh I don't know what $3,000 works out as it, it, the world's gone crazy in the price of, in, in terms of pricing and currency exchanges but Probably about two, two and a half grand, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think yeah,
7: between two, two and a half. Um, yeah, more than more than doubled in uh, in the space of five years.
2: Well, that's easily Star Wars all over, isn't it? Though in, yeah. in
7: some respects.
2: Um, okay, what else has okay. been going on in the world, man?
7: Um, well, one very interesting sale on eBay recently um it kind of happened so quick that you might have missed it um i don 't know when this is going out and I hope it doesn't scupper any plans or anything, but quite historically, a Canadian creature set came up for sale on eBay Now, anyone who knows anything about three packs will know that Canadian sets are right well virtually unheard of um We're talking like single figures in terms of their their existence and so um, yeah when this popped up for sale, it, it got snapped up very quick I think within within twenty four hours again. Um, the selling price, I think it was up for sale for fifteen thousand dollars and it sold for a bit shy of that. I think the the, the seller took a best offer on it so you know really um, amazing one to see from a three pack collector's point of view and something that you really don't see very often at all. Oh
2: wow, fantastic. And did you see that on some, did you have searches set up or or did you bring that to your attention?
7: I know the seller, it was brought to my attention beforehand. I'm tied up in something at the minute. And so it's not something that I could have made a move on anyway. But um, I was really, you know, chuffed to be given a bit of a heads up on it. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. Whoever's whoever's got it, I think has got it for a really good price. You know, that sounds crazy as well because of this price I just mentioned. But for what it is, it's a good price, and it is a really, really tough set to find. I mean, we're talking like two, three examples in the world.
2: Wow. Yeah. And when you talk about it from that point of view, in comparison to the amount of. Carded FETs, which are coming up, and this, that, and the other, yeah, it's...
7: Oh, yeah, I mean, they're talking rarer than, dare I say, Darth Vader double-telescoping carded.
2: Yeah, people are talking at the moment about, you know, Troy Logo Maydean's going for a serious amount of money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
7: I've I've seen that thread, yeah, and um, I'll definitely, in terms of rarity, it it blows that way out of the water, for sure.
2: Fantastic. Well, thanks for bringing that to my attention. Anything else?
7: Um no i think i'll, I'll hold fire and, and when you hopefully I'll, I'll be able to update on my limelight maybe in in january or february awesome i think we can have to give your your uh, showcase a bit of a bump because it, it truly
2: is something really really cool and it would coincide quite nicely with a post which went on the forum this evening of someone who just posted their creature set just saying
7: yeah i saw that yeah and i commented on it steve yeah. um it was a stunning set yeah he posted a lovely photo of his uh creature set and uh yeah started up a little bit bit of a discussion and you know whenever i see a a topic with three pack in the title then you know i'm I'm there i I tend to lurk in the background waiting for something that i can actually contribute to which is rare
2: (laughs) but is there a three pack facebook group
7: there is there is is actually yeah yeah it doesn't you know it's like um you you would imagine it doesn't have a huge amount of activity but there's um yeah there's a a key core of of collectors there and yeah we post bits and pieces when things come up and um you know but it doesn't get anywhere near the amount of traffic that some of the other facebook groups get is it one of these secret ones no no it's no no (laughs) secret handshakes in in this group i think i I don't know what the qualification is I'm, i'm not on the um board of directors or anything like that but um You know, whether you need to have a three-pack, I don't know, maybe I should check. Um, But, yeah, I've been a member of that one for about a year and a half, I think. And, um, yeah, occasionally nice things pop up. Sometimes there's a three-pack sale. You know, you see sets come up for sale on there, discussions, things that are, you know, going on on eBay or whatever. So, yeah, it's quite good. And, and, you know, it's quite a small community of three-pack collectors so we can, you know, talk about things uh, in a a small context like that.
2: Okay, awesome. I'll uh, I'll look look out for that. I... Always, I'll, I'll, send a, you, I'll send you a link,
7: Jess, yeah, you,
2: you can get involved. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Now, we spoke about your favourite set. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, your favourite set was the Best Spin Alliance, which is one of the trifectas. Now, just for, um, for the benefit of those people who may not have had the pleasure yet of listening to episode three and aren't aware of the whole trifectas, can you just, in a nutshell, explain what the whole trifecta means?
7: Okay, in a nutshell, Trifecta refers to the first wave of Empire Strikes Back sets, and they're called the Trifecta because they are the hardest three to get hold of. I think Trifecta is a racing term, horse racing term, which basically means the perfect three. And uh, I don't know how it's come to be that they are named that, but they're the hardest sets to get, arguably, and uh, most people who are trying to put together a full run of 16 normally has to wait to get one of those sets to complete the run.
2: Brilliant. Thank you very much, there you go, in a nutshell. <laughs> Do you think, though, that, that whilst they've been classically referred to as the trifecta, are there any others that you're aware of which have proved to be equally as difficult to get a hold of, but just not necessarily spoken of as much?
7: yeah absolutely Ser- series two rebel set um what's his name Re- rebel commander like hoth rebel commander Leia hoth and one b that one is extremely difficult to get hold of um series three uh best been set with cloud car pilot uh c-3po removable limbs and Ugnor. another really really difficult set to get hold of um yeah there's a there's a few but namely, you know, those five in particular are, you know, right up there. So
2: since we were last on, Star Wars films have just gone through the roof and Force Awakens and Rogue One just around the corner. How's that struck you? Has that reignited anything or, or,
0: or what?
7: Yeah, I think I, I followed the same line as most people with the Force Awakens. I was really enthusiastic about it. I watched it a couple of times at the cinema um, and it was great to have that. I don't know, it gets banded around a lot, that Star Wars feeling back. It did feel like Star Wars was back, you know, from a more cynical point of view, from a you know movie critics point of view. I can understand why people are saying how similar it is to, you know, the, the, the uh, original trilogy in particular, um, A New Hope. But I really enjoyed it, you know and I think that's the most important thing isn't it if you go there and you enjoy it then you can pull it apart in other ways but if you enjoy it you enjoy it and so um yeah I'm looking forward to um to Rogue One I've not been I've deliberately trying to not read things about it because there's too many spoilers out there and it's all speculative rubbish most of the time so I'm just going to go there with open eyes I understand it's going to be a bit darker and um yeah I'm, I'm all up for that so bring it on I'm looking forward to it fantastic me and you both mate me and you both
2: (laughs) now we'll just round off there i just want to say look thanks ever so much for coming back uh, and coming on and i wish you a very happy christmas um the final thing i just wanted to say is at the end of the last interview Stu asked you if you could create your own three pack um what would it be uh, and what would you call it and can you remember what you came up
7: with i think i mentioned a dago bar set didn't i Actually, you mentioned a dungeon set, now I don't know if that... Uh... Dungeon set? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that might, might have been something to do with my frame of mind at the time.
0: <laughs>
7: <laughs> you had,
0: uh, yeah, I, I think 99. a
7: Dating set or a dungeon set, possibly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Oh yeah, I was probably talking about Torture Droids eighty eight and that's EV99 yeah, and things like that. In the middle, that's what you said. Now, yeah. I just want to put you on
2: the spot again.
7: Yeah, okay.
2: Now, um, if you could think of three collecting characters who you hopefully know quite well and, and won't mind you adding them into this three pack, what collectors would you put in one three pack and what would you call that gathering?
0: <laughs>
7: Blimey, that is a goodie. Um, it'd have to be three pack related. I'll be self indulgent and put myself in it. Okay. Um, my good friend Jesse Cedar Soberman out in uh, Hawaii and possibly uh, a friend of mine called, um, well, he's on the Facebook group, so Steve Majors. But um, yeah, we we could be the real trifecta. Oh yeah, good one.
2: Nice. Yeah. nice. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks very much for that. Now, if anyone <laughs> needs to get hold of you, uh, because you are that public figure who's happy to help, happy to, to share and talk about 3 packs, how can people get hold of you, mate?
7: Um, yeah, message me on, on Star Wars Forum. I'm on there. I dip in there every night or every other night just to see what's going on. I haven't had a, a private message in about four years. So if anyone anyone wants to get in touch, you know, it's not a cry for help. It's not a desperate plea. But <laughs> if, you've got, if you've got any three-pack questions, <laughs> I know it's, it, it, the chances are slim. But if you've got any three-pack questions, then, yeah, drop me a line. Definitely. I'm always happy to help. And, I, you know, one advantage of being, you know, focused on one particular area is that, you kind of, you become a bit more specialized in it. Yes. And I've kept records of of prices of, of every public sale going back five years. So um, I've got quite a, a legacy of different price comparisons. So you could, I could be like, the compare the market, compare the meerkat for three packs. How's that? <laughs> yeah, very good.
2: Well, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you do that. And I'm looking forward to you one day doing one of the collector's track panels for three packs, I think with your knowledge and, and what you've got going on there, um, I think that would be a great panel, which I'd love to see because it's one thing talking about your three packs on a podcast, but it's another thing seeing them, isn't it? And um, and I'm just gonna throw that one in there now that, Chris, you have to get involved with the next celebration and do a collecting track,
7: please. Yeah, that would be cool, that would be cool. I think that, what we spoke about this actually, I've spoken about this with another couple of collectors and um, what we said, actually, I, I, it, can you take items with you and display for absolutely. something like that? Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, it's, you know, for PowerPoint presentation, but we, you know, in, in the uh, various different props one, which was in last time they had uh, they had one of the helmets and, and all sorts of people very much like that
7: yeah so i've I've got a friend who's got as near well very close to a full set of 16 now and um what we were talking about is actually putting together something like that collector's panel where he he brought along all of his his production sets and i brought along um the pre-production bits and the canadian um bits and uh, yeah, doing a bit of a display and a bit of a talk about it um, with, you know, live with the actual with the sets there. So perhaps maybe at the next Celebration Europe, if if it decides to come back to Europe anytime soon, then, uh, yeah, I'd love to try and put something like that together.
2: Boom. Excellent. You hear it here first on the Vintage Report. <laughs> hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it really Not is sure. always a pleasure talking to you and time does fly by. And uh, on behalf of everyone on, on the podcast and all of our listeners, uh, a very Merry Christmas to you.
7: Thanks, Jess. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy Christmas and hope to see you all soon.
2: Let's
1: just talk about our general collecting then over 2016, where your collecting went, what you've achieved, if you changed focuses, you know, any, anything like that. And let's go to Peedy Weedy, who obviously started up his Gammy Crack, as we well know. Gym crack.
4: I, I kind of had the, the intention of getting a lot of mocks, which I, I probably kind of did, really. And I've got about 30-plus mocks now, which is quite good. But i kind of like, you know, it's just got to a point where there seems to be so many people after the same thing that yeah, you know, it's very hard now to, to grab them because uh, it seems to be you know, a thousand people on every single forum just grabbing mocks, hands all over the place. Um, so i've been having more fun collecting esb oddball items just picking those up because whilst there, a lot of people have turned to collecting non toyed items there are more and more people who seem to be again grabbing at these sort of uh you know non or beyond the toys or gimcracks or whatever but uh i put to it i mean that, that that is that is more fun because i'm not i'm not going down the line of you know oh there's a tin and then, about tin, and then collecting the entire series of those tins i'll I'll just have that tin, and then I'll move on to something else. I'll get maybe you know a record, or I'll get uh, an oddity, or a sticker box, or something like that, and. Uh... And go that way, really, so... And it's a bit disappointing, really, that, that the Star Wars world has not kind of eased off. There, seems, there does seem to be a lot more people just, just going with stuff, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've had fun, fun um, away from the toys, that's all I can say. Rich!
3: I'm at the point now where I'm running out of space. Actually, I've changed that. I'm at the point now where I've ran out of space, and then some. My collecting habits have changed a lot, and I didn't think I would ever go down the carded collecting route, but I have done because of Spoons' as post, which was on stores for UK about collecting cards for under £50, which I went at that, because I find that quite interesting I get bored very, very easily, and I think that was something that I'd be interested in so I've got that up there somewhere about the 30, I think I've got about 30 card figures now for under £50, but what I'm doing to make it a little bit more difficult is I'm going to go for the Empire figures on Empire card backs, and the Jedi figures and the Jedi card backs, etc um, so collecting them first 12 is going to be a nightmare but I'm in it for the long haul, so we'll see how it goes, other than that me, me loose collection seems to be Hitting Uh, the very expensive items now, so so that's slowed. So I've started to look at finishing things off. Hence why I wanted the ISP six because that completed me mini rigs, and um, I've headed down some of the oddball items now, or the beyond the toys if we're gonna call them. Um, picking up some of the Oral-B sets and some fan club badges and things like that, things that I never thought I would have collected in the past. I mean, Grant quite often says, you know, have you had? Have you thought about this, have you thought about that? But without ball items, where do you stop? There is no stopping point. So I'm only picking things up that interest me. I don't want to turn into a Steve Sansweet or a Duncan Jenkins and pick up everything that possibly is. Um, I'm just going to go for things that are, that are of interest and, and that I like the look of
1: jez obviously your whole focus changed this year i'm not sure why i'm not you've never really told us,
5: <laughs> <laughs> Can you
2: tell us give us an overview of your year yeah my year's been great thanks very much i added some fantastic pieces which i had always hoped to add to my luke x-wing focus collection which is still very much in my heart not giving that one up had to uh, move on a few cardiff figures maybe about 78 or so not that i was counting But still, I'm doing my daily eBay searches and stuff. Yeah, my uh, collecting will
11: long continue.
4: Come on, Stu. You have the hoarding disorder, we know.
1: Well, do you know what? I I was only looking at what I've purchased this year. Right, my my list is long, but (laughs) there's an awful lot of itty-bitty, grimy, crack stuff that I've bought. I, I look at what I've really bought. I've added a few bits to my Greedo Focus, which when I started the Greedo Focus, I said on here, two items a year. It's always been more than that, but that was my, my minimum. So that's slowly growing. My 20-back was mint, which I was really happy to get. And my Sigma, obviously I hit a bit of a brick wall with that because I've got the mugs and the figurines and the money boxes which come up regularly. So it was those other items. But I've added four pieces, big pieces of that this year. And the last two months I've added two pieces of that. So that's that's coming along quite nicely. So just, just slowly, slowly, slowly catch a monkey.
3: Have you have yeah. you got anything bizarre that you would describe as bizarre?
1: Bizarre's a strange choice of word in stalls collecting. I've never seen a bizarre item. Maybe some of my Sigma items might be worth a quarter portion. No, not really. I'll tell you what I bought this year which I quite liked, it was um it was Mayfair from 1980. Carrie Fisher does an interview in there. That's that's an interesting, interesting book. Well worth picking up for the interview, obviously. Sorry, we do I do want to discuss while we're talking about collecting, and that is, I think Pete touched on it when he was giving his list, is prices and changes. And I'm going to let Pete leave with this, being the market man, whether much has changed from this time last year, Pete, with regards to the prices.
4: Looking on the tracker over the last year, it seems that your low-level mocks you know, like your Return of Jedi stuff hasn't moved that much. Um If you go for the auction houses, even Vectus, it's actually coming down. It's so like your weak ways, the Return of Jedi weak ways. It's going to stick at anything between, you know, 40, 35 to probably fifty quid. Obviously, add your fees on top of that, adds a bit more. But those those type of things have stayed. You sort of mid-level mocks, you know, that are definitely easy to hold of, but hold a bigger price. You know, the hundred pound plus ones. They've shifted a little bit, as you would imagine. Nothing major was ridiculous. Your crazy twelve back stuff. That seems to have come down from last year. You know, we, we talk about the well, were talking about the prices, when we are talking about the Darth Vader, for example, started off, at, I, think, I think we had one uh, about two and a half years ago and it went for something ridiculous, you know, two or 3,000. And that's sort of stabilized now, I think between about 750 and 900, depending on, depending on the, the quality. So those things had a kind of a, 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 a bizarre madness and then it settled and you know, they're, they're going about the same price. But like, like we saw those Death Stars in that same box, Five grand, five grand, all the way down to a grand by the fifth one. So obviously, we've had people fighting over. This time last year, I did a presentation at Fathers From, stated that a normal, everyday run of standard figures, complete in reasonably good condition, was about 2,500, not counting a viral cake or snaggle tooth or any of that sort of stuff. Two and a half thousand. Now, you can add 500 to a thousand on that, because it's just got silly, very, very silly. Look, Yak Face, there, people just come on now to, to sites and go, oh, look, there's Yak Face. Oh, I reckon that's worth about 200 pounds r 2 d to a pop-up lightsaber, you know, £200. And the people are just putting ridiculous price on them. You know, the last 17 was about £900. Now you're probably l- lucky to get it for £1,500. So that, that is really where it's gone. I mean, it, it's, it, and this is not counting your rare items like Meccano car and stuff. Stuff that doesn't come up every five minutes. That doesn't count. i am talking about the general kind of market approach.
1: All the time people are paying the silly prices, though, they're just going to keep going up. If he's someone come on and listed a, a yak for 200 quid and no one bought it, bloke yeah. will come back on and he'll drop the price, and he would drop the price until it found his right market.
4: Someone will. Someone will buy it. I think pretty much guaranteed someone will buy it. I think, I think a yak face seems to have a, 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 a hungry, a hungry arm-grabbing. If you put it up for 150, it will sell. I think pretty much immediately. If you put up a 200, depends where you go. I think if you put it up for 200 on eBay, it probably sell. If put it up an auction site for 200, it probably gets some interest and probably sell. On the groups, on the Facebook groups and stuff, 200 seems to be. A little bit of a too much but i do i think rich protest for you do see people buy it for that i get desperate and go oh i must have it because i never seen another one whereas i think the the act face thing just still puzzles me because they, they come up all the time and just the price just gets pushed up and up and up and, and yet they're not rare
3: we seem to have two different groups of collectors and we've got the patient and the impatient to me the impatient ones are they're not always newbies quite often the the quite seasoned collectors who have quite a bit of money and are just throwing money at these items just to acquire them for whatever reason whether it's to complete a run or whether it's just because a nice one's become available um or they're looking at ebay and thinking actually i can you know sell it on there and add another 10 percent. and then we've got another group of collectors who are watching these people and and quietly sniggering and just picking up things behind the scenes um and i'm not saying either way is right or wrong but you know I, I, i definitely feel as though we've got two distinct different groups And it makes us think that possibly in about, I don't know, three years' time, there might be a further widening of the gap. And we might see a lot more deals getting done behind the scenes, or we might might see a lot more deals getting done on the forums. Whereas if something's not shifting, we're then going to stick it on Facebook for you know, more than what we would ordinarily put it on there because we know it's going to sell. Is it is it bad for the hobby? Well, yes, it probably is. But unfortunately, it's a piece that we're living with now. Do you
2: know what, with the prices, things have just kicked off, as you say, massively. I look back at what my three favourite things of the year have been, and none of them have been that expensive, not in the grand scheme of things, not the money which people are dropping every day on these Facebook groups. Luke X-Wing, Model Trem, I got that, and I think that's an awesome figure. It cost me less than 200 pounds on ebay i dare say if that was on a facebook group that would be put up for about six seven hundred pounds
4: yes I, I think to i think the model trim comparison is a, a little bit unfair to what we're talking about because i think a bootleg figure um, or a figure like that that's not going to have a huge market especially in the facebook group stuff you have to go go into a, a friended model trim facebook group it may be a bit different but i think if you to compare stuff I think those things are very, very selective market. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know many people who would be interested. In them. I'd say there's only be a handful. Whereas if you put a yak face, a normal loose yak face, you're going to get a lot of interest.
2: Yeah, well, it only takes two people to bid stuff up, I guess, on an auction house. But my point is, from my point of view, with regards to, it's all about desirability, isn't it? And supply and demand. And there's obviously enough people supplying these yak faces and people throwing down crazy money. But when I move on from just the, the model trend, which to me is far rarer than a yak face, and I got it for same, if not less, money. My 35 mil transparency, which is a Luke X-Wing on blue background, painted hard copy, which I got from Tom Darby. Again, got that for considerably less than people are dropping on a regular 77 back return of a Jedi card. And so it's just biding your time, being in the right groups or speaking to the right people. Maybe just, yeah, being patient and being lucky. Final one for fifty pounds or just under was the uh, crate dragon bone. Yeah, all right. So it's not a vintage figure, but part of the whole vintage Star Wars collecting thing for me. These three things have meant the most to me this year, collecting wise, without breaking the bank or worrying about keeping up with the Joneses, which is what I think half this community worry about—is what others will think. It really, doesn't matter to me.
4: Do you want to know what the average price this year is for a loose Yuck Face? Anyone want to guess? Average one hundred and sixty.
3: Uh, i'd love. see higher i'd probably see 210
4: well i'm going to go in the middle then 185 208 pounds average and that's a lot of figures as well it's not just 10 that's 167 wow. recorded ones so that's not yeah that's <laughs> there's that is there's no way near the rarest figure so no <laughs>
2: 167 in a year yeah, that's not particularly rare, is it?
4: Exactly. But, I mean, I mean, I'm only talking eBay and Vectis, so I mean, let's face it, that's, that's you know, a couple of weeks sort of thing. So yeah, you know, this is not a figure. This is rare, and yet the price is going. Two people in the last couple of months have paid over four hundred pounds for a, a loose Yuck face, non graded. Getting silly. Getting very, very silly.
1: Pete, Rich, how, what, what are your top three items of the
4: year? Well, I've got a problem with Sun Catch. I know you guys have dissed it, but I think I've never seen it like it. It's just the most ridiculous item I've ever, 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 ever seen, and I absolutely adore it. So, uh, in your faces. I don't think we dissed it. I think. We oh, just... it, was, it It's been dissed no we didn't you guys had never seen it before about two weeks ago
2: well I saw it Um, before because they were being hopped all over Facebook and then you bought one (laughs) so uh, I had seen
4: (laughs) just just had you know Jezebel (laughs) the other item which is not at all rare of any kind is um, the Empire Strikes Back sticker book which I've been completing and that's been tremendous fun myself and Burr just war, oh, i've been taking all his spares and whacking them in the album which is fantastic fun and uh, the hunt for the stickers i've got about 30 more stickers to do and i've got a complete album which is great great fun i'd probably say resurrecting my love of vinyl so i was always a fan of records and record player and then of course i went oh yeah cds they're great i've kind of got back into that so i think my boris midney uh, empire strikes back i guess you call it an ep wouldn't you or whatever with, with the four tracks on it because the cover's so nice it's han and Leia having a snog on the front, uh, I, I really do adore that. I mean, I've got it up on my on my shelf. It looks beautiful. I think that's going to inspire me onto uh, what's coming. But we're we'll going onto that later.
1: I'm too into vinyl again, Pete. But I've been buying Enough every the vinyl. Every vinyl, yeah. Rich, your top three: ISP, ISP,
3: and ISP. Stu, I'd love to see you in a bit of vinyl.
1: Uh, that can be sorted. Don't worry about
3: that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> random.
3: Three things that I've enjoyed most this year. Well, one of them was me try logo R5 baker Scout miscard. And it's not just because of the item, because it, it, it's a really nice item, but it's the story behind it in that um, Joe O'Brien had just sent his PM and said, Are you still after one? And I was, and he'd. There was a post from about two years ago on the Trilogo.info forum and he contacted the guy who still said, yeah, I've still got it. And it was the whole, he's in Canada and he doesn't accept PayPal and how was I going to get the money there and nobody could vouch for him. And Todd Thornhill was one of the guys who reached out and said, you know, I don't live too far away from him. I've never met Todd Thornhill before. We hadn't really communicated much online. And it was absolutely fantastic that he went out of his way to meet this guy, wouldn't take any money off us for doing it, collected the item, him Cash, our PayPal Todd, he wrapped it up absolutely fantastically because the bubbles on these are way far thin and it arrived and there was a small crack at the bottom and and the foot had pushed a little bit through, but, you know, that was to be expected. You know, I don't think it could have um, been shipped any better than what it was. The whole story of that was absolutely fantastic. So a great shout out to Joe and for Todd for their help and um, helped me acquire that piece I was I was really pleased with it and I got it for a great price other two items that I'm pleased about was the complete 12 inch IG-88 that I got from Vectis the prices of the IG-88 have been going for silly silly amounts recently I was just watching the Vectis auction actually and I wasn't intending on bidding it and then a couple of 12 inch items appeared and the IG-88 appeared, it, it only had one gun in the photograph, and, and I think that's put, that put a lot of people off, so I bid for, I can't remember, it was about 170 now, and I got it, and I was shocked. I can't remember who p was but somebody P-Enders and said, it's only got one weapon, you're never going to get the other one. But I contacted Vectors and said, oh no, both weapons are there, so I was like, cha-ching, I'm pleased with that. And my last item was a set of um, 12 Oral-B toothbrushes that are sealed, um, sealed together, that's a nice little pack, it's not something that I would be particularly interested in, in the past. You know, I really like it, it's a nice addition to me. odd Bull focus, and I just need that spirit of the Jedi one, and um, that's all my toothbrushes collected. So, yeah, th- three nice items for me, and you know, two two fantastic stories. About you, to
5: Well, I
1: kind of probably already mentioned them briefly. Definitely with 20 backgri though. Uh, my land speeder soap dish, Sigma. It's a great piece of Sigma. And the third item. See, I was going to go with McKenna Death Star. This, this isn't vintage. I'm going to go with my Stormtrooper helmet speaker system. I got a thing at um Celebration. Because I love business. it. It sits yeah. lovely. It's on my desk. Plays a bit of music out. When you start it up, it's lines light up and it comes out with a little quote. And I just love it. I just think it looks great. I'm going to put that in my... It's
4: not a vintage item.
1: I've, I've started down the road of sticker albums. I want them empty and mm-hmm. I want them mint. So I've picked up the Return of the Jedi. Jeff- oh, English one I've also got it in German I know that there's a couple more from other countries I know there's a couple of Yugoslavian sticker albums so, so those first two on there because they are mint so start of a little road and I've got a display box for that as well which is nice oh Pete where do, where do Gungans keep their stuff
4: oh I don't know go on
1: in Jar Jar's <laughs> <laughs> with that let's go for another catch up uh, Pete you caught up with Ian Sanderson who Jez also caught up with <laughs>
4: So Ian, right, you are, you are the US front of uh, GW Acrylic. Tell me what you've been doing on Acrylic basis this year.
12: Well, the best thing I got to do was come over for celebration. That was fantastic. Three days of selling lots of shiny boxes and then drinking beer in the evening. <laughs> you actually um, had, a,
4: you had a big stall there. It wasn't just some little tiny little It was
12: big. I, to be fair, I have to put all the yeah, all the credit to Christian for that one. He uh, he did everything. I I was parachuted in at the last second to do the selling <laughs> while he while he went to where did he go to some crazy dance place or something. But, uh, <laughs> but
4: so I mean, I mean but, just, yeah. just so interesting because I mean, I mean, we obviously had a booth there. I mean, how I mm. mean, how much did you sell? I mean, I mean, was there a huge demand? Because obviously, we know that. That everyone in the world of collecting adores uh, the cases and the stands and all the stuff you do. But I mean, we, we, were you getting like you know new customers walking up and just people going, "What on earth?" Because you know, it it wasn't the most interesting store to to look at if you're just a regular. No, builder, no. I mean, it? yeah, so. we
12: didn't we didn't have. I, I mean, maybe if I'd have worn a nice uh, nice gold bikini, that would have helped. But um,
4: <laughs> yeah,
12: <laughs> yeah I no, created no, I mean, I've created it, that own mental image. That's, that's that. Yeah, that's Yeah. Um, so, so originally, when I spoke with Christian about doing this, um, I'd been to, I'd been to Anaheim and I'd seen just how absolutely crazy Anaheim had been. I mean, that was my first celebration was Anaheim, um, and I came back and I said to Christian, "Yes, we really need to do um, celebration." So he sort of, you know, went away and did all the work, getting everything ready, and then we had a phone call, and and I, I think he and I he and I originally had been at cross purposes because. I wanted to sell um and he wanted to promote the brand yeah. um so I said, you know seriously, we need to be you know passing cases over as well as doing that, so you know again we went, he went away, came back put some put some numbers together, and um yeah that was that was our plan, so my deal was that i you know I came to sell and the, you know at the same time he wanted the brand promoted. So, I mean, in in terms of was it successful, I mean, we we turned over quite a lot. I mean, one thing I I, I guess we didn't really consider is we we didn't get kind of the bulk sales that we do online because everybody was, you know, coming into the venue, probably most most via train or or some sort of public transport. So walking away with 20 cases was always going to be a bit of a (laughs) bit of a job. Yeah. we did get, you know, quite a lot of guys coming back to us. I mean, a lot of the guys would go and get something autographed and then come back for a case, um, which was pretty good. And then, I mean, it was, it was a good mix of, of sort of, um, you know, people from the forum, people from Facebook, people um, who, who kind of knew about the brand, you know, but hadn't actually seen much of it in, 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 in the flesh, and then just, you know, completely new people, you know, I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, were browsing and came along. And I think that was, those were those are the guys that, that Christian wanted to get, you know, the guys that would um, that would look us up on eBay or on um, on the on the Internet and and then make their purchases later on.
4: Did you pay for your stall? You actually get your money back.
12: I, I, I say Christian would probably be the uh, the money man on all of that. But um, did he look I, happy? I think he he walked. Put it put it this way. Christian walked away happy, that's good. and I paid my airfare.
4: So, <laughs> well, uh, that's good. That's good.
12: I've I've already applied for Orlando, so okay. you know, it it was it was successful enough for me to uh, to want to get get an American version done.
4: That's good. I mean. Uh... Will Christian be coming over for that, or is he going to stay at home? Uh,
12: if he does, he won't probably be doing very much on the stand. I don't <laughs> think.
4: So, stay away yeah, from nightclubs, uh, eh? <laughs>
12: yeah, probably. I can find him a few uh, few places to go and bop. Um, yeah, I think I think Christian and Jay, maybe Jamie will be, be coming over, but it'll be more of a, a GWUS-led um, stand. Um, and obviously I'll have you know some of the other products that I sell, like the... Um, like the 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 stands and the the acrylic stands and you know all sorts all sorts of display accessories just
4: just on those stands because i mean those i think they they look amazing i mean and it's something that which i think most people would agree that have been you know long desired because my slave one it kind of just balances on things how many ships have you got stands for currently
12: i think i've got 9 of them. i want to have a few more I mean they're actually made I, I people always get confused because they're acrylic, and obviously I sell the, the g w acrylic These are actually made by a chap over here in the uh, the u s um and he predominantly made them for um modern ships and I'd seen them and i you know I got talking to him and i he's a really nice guy, and I said, Well, look, have you considered making them for the the vintage and um he hadn't but there are quite a lot of similarities, you know. I mean, a lot of um, the modern stuff uses either the same molds or similar molds. So, you know, adjusting them for the uh, the vintage ships wasn't, you know, wasn't a massive um, uh, issue. And um, yeah, now they've they've been really, really popular. I mean, my only issue—he's he's a one man band, um, so it's it's sort of keeping up, you know. Um, getting them made and getting them to me and then getting them over to the UK. But again, you know, with a bit more investment and a bit more more growth next year, I think I'll probably have uh, have those readily available. And I, I want to have more. I mean, everybody asked me for a, a Falcon one, which would be
0: quite <laughs> a great big lump
12: of uh, acrylic. But <laughs> That would be interesting to see how that, that uh, is carried out. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be good. I mean, what I have done, and again... Um, i hopefully I've got prototypes and I should be able to roll these out soon. I've got them made for the die um ships, okay. So cool. they'll they look really nice. And I've had a few of the weapon ones done as well. So there's one for the Biker Scout, and I've just got one done for the Hand Blaster as well.
4: Now, now we we know that you're based in the States and you're kind of you're kind mm. of a UK man based in the States, selling everywhere. <laughs> um, <Yes>. what, <laughs> just very quickly. Um, will do you reckon this this uh, well Brexit and also the the rise of the Trump uh, will affect business? Do you think that the, the, now the pound is so weak against the dollar in comparison to say a year ago, has that started to affect your business or your or your sales? It's,
3: it's strange. Well, it it,
12: it does. It, it, I mean, I, I do sell everywhere, and I'm I'm about to uh, we're about to start selling in Australia as well. My uh, my uh, sister and her my and her husband are moving down there uh, down there next year, so we're going to set up a a distribution base down in Australia <laughs> as well. So uh, so all the Aussies who uh, the poor guys who've had to pay uh, shipping for uh, everything will suddenly uh, suddenly be able to get things you know within two or three days. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm it, it's difficult for me because I do so much both sides of the Atlantic, then it kind of hasn't affected me too badly. I mean what it does mean is things that i send back now cost me more money in real terms. Yeah. But it also yeah. means things that i buy in the UK now cost me less. So exactly. it hasn't really affected me. Um
4: well i mean uh, i mean i mean think mean, it might affect you for the, for the good because obviously the the you yeah, know a strong dollar will uh, put mm. put you and your american chums to an advantage on uh, I'm snapping does, up all yeah. those no, UK I mean, items.
12: Yeah, I mean, I I could probably make a living just buying every yak face in uh, in Europe and selling them over here, but um, but or or doing the other way and selling every blue snaggle tooth over there. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I think it, I think it has strengths in that. I mean, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I didn't really follow the last Vectis auction because I have no money. Um. <laughs> but join uh, the club yeah um but I, I think it'd be interesting to see where the bulk of the sales were whether they were international sales or uk sales so that that would probably make a difference i mean i've noticed a lot of my ebay uk sales have been abroad you know i'm selling a lot more stands into europe now than i was so i guess the euro is probably a little bit more stronger against the pound as yeah, well yeah
4: it is Finally then, what about your your own collecting? What, I mean, have you added any major pieces? Do you know what? I, I, I'd i
12: love to do an inventory of what I actually own. Because, and I might have to, because my wife wants to buy a house. Um, <laughs> so I might have to do a jazz. Um What, yeah, cut off all your I mean, hair? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put your hair off and like start you. running yeah, around in like a stormtrooper. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I ain't doing a marathon in a stormtrooper, Alfred, never. <laughs> So yeah, I mean i i picked up i picked up some really nice Death Star droid pieces from the chap on RS who had um who had probably like the 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 biggest collection he 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 um sold up, and I I missed out all the pre production stuff Mister Meat got there first on those, um but I picked up a lot more variants and um and that so I reckon I must have now about twenty or thirty different Death Star droid. Um cardbacks. Oh my goodness. Um I'm now let me see, I think I'm three away from the Tri logo run. Oh right. I so I need I need Medine, Bobber, and then I think something Darth like Paploo, I think. <laughs> um and I've owned about four or five Paploos in my life. I don't know why I can't find a Paploo. And then I've I've started a little sneaky focus on uh, old Bum Face as well, Walrus Man. Okay. So, um, how I start a focus is basically I work out what I have, and then think, oh, I can have, keep adding to that one. <laughs> so I don't, I, I, I don't really sort of decide that I'm going to focus on something. It kind of hits me. So yeah, I've just, I've just uh, paid up for a deal on the harbour one. I've got, I've got the the, the production, um, the bubble test, um, Nick two, walrus Man. So. So, yeah, I've added a few pieces. I've I've been buying baggies as well. You know, I think that's that's the cool thing
4: now. Oh my word! Now
12: Eds, now Eds, you know, Eds Eds joined the baggy gang. Then, uh, so I've got a few baggies coming. Um, I, I, realistically, my I've never ever sort of decided on what I wanted to collect apart from carded figures so i just keep buying carded figures <laughs> and then maybe for every 10 that i buy maybe one sort of sneaks into the collection so. so
4: is this uh this new house then gonna have a wonderful collecting floor maybe with all this stuff on it well have an entire floor funny
12: you should, ha- funny you should ask that because we went to look at one today that uh, that may well be the uh, the winner so it might it might see a sacrifice of some uh, some of the collection, Ooh. but it will also mean that finally I can put the rest of the collection up on display, um, which I I can't wait to do. You know, I mean, absolutely. I, I I'm disgusted in myself as a as a man who sells display accessories <laughs> that I really don't do display. I very wouldn't well. I
4: wouldn't admit that on a public podcast, you know. <laughs> no, I probably shouldn't do. I, no, it's
12: do as, what, it, what did my mum and dad used to say? Do as, I, uh, do as I say and not do as I do. So,
4: yeah, or do yeah, as you do acrylic. Right. Thank you to Ian Sanderson for joining me for a little chat.
1: Let's go on to the podcast. Maybe your favourite part of your segment this year. How you think your segment has maybe evolved. And something you've learned from your segments. Okay, So, three areas. And let's go left to right on my screen. So let's start with Dickie this time.
3: Well, Rebel Reefing's changed a lot. Um, I don't know if anyone remember the old boom stories that we used to do. And we felt as though that they were too negative back at the time. So it's great to be coming up with some positive stuff. I've very, very closely followed the SWCA blog. We, we all read all of those articles I put up on there. And some of those have been absolutely fascinating. And a lot of my interviews this year have been with Tommy Garvey and Chris Jogulius and Juan Salvatore. All talking about, you know, pre-production and wax sculpts and tooling. And every single time that I've done an interview with those guys, I've learned something new or the pennies dropped and something that perhaps Tommy had said has finally clicked when Chris has explained it in a different way or, or it's more likely once I get told something three, four times, it finally starts to drop. So. I've really learned a lot in those Rebel Briefing interviews. And each time time I've recorded one of those, I've been, oh, guys, you're not going to believe this interview. Just wait till it comes. But I also particularly enjoy the kind of, what I'm going to say is coffee table kind of interviews with Yehuda, such as what i just done on the last interview, and the one with Henrik, and the one with Daryl and Brendy. There was fascinating short interviews, and there was a lot of great discussion and and great questions put out there. Uh,
2: Jez, how about you with yeah, very much like Rich. I think NA has evolved massively over the last couple of years. I mean, let's face it, when I first started on the podcast, uh, you guys were editing it, and now I've taken over the editing in. And I think it takes... I-, I was taking too long editing it because I was taking out every cough, every sniff, every deep breath, every you-know-what. I turned it into some sort of... um Who's the director of Transformers? What was it, Michael Bay or someone like that? I think I tried to make it too fast, too snappy, too smooth, and I don't think you need to do that. I think people can pick up on it sometimes. I know we are all trying to put our own spin on it, but I have enjoyed trying to edit it down because when we go off on one, when we, we start talking about our stuff, we can go off. We've had NAs this year where we've had 28 different items in an A section, and we've had NA episodes where we've had about four or five. I think they all work, but... Sometimes less is more. And I think we've discovered recently that if we keep the NA items down to below eight or nine, we get more substance. I've really enjoyed bringing other people onto the NA. Uh, we've had Marco, we've had Ollie, you know, we've had spoons very, very recently. And I think it's great to get others in there and also allowing you guys to choose your own items. I think has made NA a bit more diverse. Yeah, a bit more substance behind it. But I really enjoy putting my own little spin on NA. And uh, I'm looking forward to listening to what everyone's got to say and then using my knowledge, I guess, of the movies to think, alright, right, what soundbite would work work there and what can fill that gap. I really enjoy editing NA.
1: What was the one standout item you remember from this year that you
2: covered? Cool. Wow, good question. <laughs> the one standout item. As we've just said, some months we've had 28 <laughs> We've had So, of the 200 odd uh, items we've covered, uh, I think I'm heading towards Ollie's pink ponchoed Leah, maybe. Well, I think, A, because that's brought everything for me, bringing someone into the episode and, and learning loads of new things about that. Um, do you know what? Maybe we should all just go back and listen to every episode again. Okay, I'll book a couple of weeks off holiday. Heedy weedy. Go, <laughs>
4: Um, I would, I would say. I see I'm still going gangster. Still going gangster. Because <laughs> um, I am gangster. I think the market is in, it's a difficult session because it has to be led by price. And I don't want to interfere with other sections. So it, the, the price, I mean, I know people don't like talk about prices. It's hard sometimes. Especially when I talk to people at Farthest Front and go, how much do you spend on that? yeah some people get very kind of protective and I don't know when you want to mention it but um i i am always intrigued to see you know, where where the market is going, so hopefully that's kind of I try and reflect that as much as I can in the section so uh, but I'm also wary of you know listing i think there's too many podcasts that I just list stuff out yeah you, know, you have to get away from that and have have a discussion have an opinion on something and again there's it's quite a fine line between you know listing and discussing especially when it comes to prices and that sort of stuff, but uh, with being as different as it can to the rest of the podcast. So so hopefully with the, the news sections are kind of bought in, yeah, a bit of fun with the Trekker Top 5, which always, you know, a bit of silly humor. always talk about the latest kind of auction or an item at an auction because we've had some cracking stuff this year. I think things like the Phil Tippett auction, the, the prop store auctions in general, um, have presented some, you know, outrageous things which you never thought we'd probably see or or price that people would ever pay. And I've tried to bring in the, in the, in the new section about talking about stuff that is not unloved, that's not unpopular as such, but maybe we just don't talk enough about because we do tend to, I think, just naturally migrate sometimes to the big event pieces. Um, not just in my section, but across the board. You know, I mean, there are there are elements of of collecting where we know Grant covers a lot of oddities and and different pieces. And I think, yeah, you know, I think in, in, in the NA we don't probably see enough of people's, you know, fruit bat items. Um, I think we had that learning, that special needs learning tool. I, I was fascinated by that. You know, what what a crazy licensee to have. So uh, that's that, that's what I want to kind of get to. Well,
1: obviously the interviews, um, our interview list is about fifty, sixty names strong, and it, it, it's 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 difficult. But I think we got the balance quite right this year. We had six six interviews from Britain. Um, Craig Spivey Mark Daniels Mott Hockley Ollie Subweek Simon McCohen, and Matt Fox which have been scattered out throughout the year um, all of them you know Ollie was very much pre-production items Matt this month very focused on posters so they all had their own like spin on things we've been overseas in Europe Christian Carnus came on and Matthias Rendell Matthias his interview in particular for me I learnt quite a lot about Scandinavian collectibles and then we've had three uh, Americans, Todd Hudson, uh, Michael Cooper, who I love that interview as well, and Steve Danny of the Kivecast, of course, great knowledge over there. But probably, it's difficult. I've enjoyed doing all of them, but the one with Ozio and Marco J, I learned a hell of a lot about Lily Leddy. I've actually got, I would say now, if I had a Lily Leddy conversation with one of you, I've got a fair bit of knowledge, which I didn't have before that interview. So to me, I learned probably most from that interview out of any of them. Yeah, and I look forward to uh, choosing the next 12 and where we go next year. Before we move off onto 2017 in the podcast, Pete, something you brought up online was basically, are we use, utilizing modern technology efficiently enough? Um, what do you mean by that?
4: What I mean by that is that I think when people enter the hobby or come asking, it's nowhere really centralised or, uh, you know, oh, go and look at this TIG website and, and, you know, and everyone expects everyone to know exactly what it is. I, you know, I still find it hard when people mention these sites you know, for resources. I, 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 feel, I find it sometimes hard to get hold of because, you know, if these sites aren't used much and uh, we have to make sure that we protect this information and keep it there. But, I mean, there, there are a lot of, um, after uh, speaking with Spoons about his, his collective focus, he obviously got a, a website about diecast. I mean, these kind of like specific resource sites, um, uh, because collectors are becoming very focused in their collecting and they think, Oh you know what, I, uh, let me share this information with the world and, and more of them pop up. And I don't think it's easy for people to find this stuff. If you go on Google and search, you mostly come up with a Joe Trilogo site or you come up with um the Styles Collectors archive. And you know, some of the information is you know, I mean, especially on the Styles Collectors archive is not kept up to date or People don't maintain their websites. I mean, Joe obviously does. Um, some people don't, and it is—I uh, I, just—I'm finding it hard to to keep that information together. It seems to be like if unless you've been around a long time, you won't know all that stuff is there sitting there. Um, and I also think that because of that, that, if the information is not kept up to date, you know, for example, like the Clipper website, for example, with all the information, great resource, but you know, stuff does get found. More information comes to hand. If that's not maintained, that, that just becomes a place where we go, oh, well, yeah, that's not a bad website, but not sure if it's been updated for, you know, X amount of years. And I think we've got all this information, but we're not using it properly. That might put a few people's nose out of joint, but I think, you know, something needs to be done as a collective community. Hopefully I can help with that. And maybe, you know, on our Vintage Rebellion podcast page, which will be up soon in the new year, will be a link to all those places.
1: Rich, it's only recently you are saying in- Imperial gunnery is very quiet at the moment, but when I buy a figure with a weapon, it is the first place I go to check it. And if it's not updated with new reproductions, that's no longer there That as a resource, like Peter said. You know, that dies, and the knowledge dies with it, doesn't it? Sir?
3: I don't know. I think those who like to read and those who like to do some research find all of those websites fairly easily. You know, the guys at the SWCA are, are constantly hammering you know, Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook pointing people to articles and, and pi- posing pictures of Daily Grails. I think it's going back to the, the newer collectors who are just going onto Facebook. Are they the ones who are heading towards taking things like that? Probably not. But I don't think even if we point them them in, into that direction quite regularly, a lot of them will go and do that. Because, you know, we're, we're in a generation now where if you can't read something, you know, that's less than 140 characters, people won't take the time to read it, unfortunately.
4: Okay, but that's kind of the point, really, is that, you know, the, the, the hardcore collectors, the people like us who are kind of in the industry or in the community, we know this stuff and we know it's there. But it's, you know, it it can be difficult to get those answers out of people. Yeah. It should be. It's almost if you, you want to grab all the Facebook groups and stick them under a, like a an umbrella and say, there we go, all together, you know, a bunch of graphics down the side of a of of a, of a Facebook page. For example, you know, if you want to know anything, it's there, you know resources to use price resources. you know starless trackers and i put that in there as well that's something which you know people don't really use enough it should be used more everyone mm-hmm. should have should should be able to access that quickly
2: do you think there's a element that actually just people are just a bit lazy nowadays in the 21st century that uh oh what does google say oh check it on google yeah. is the answer to everything now you know even <laughs> if my kids say it they're used to looking stuff up in school because no one commits anything to memory anymore or has the sort of exploratory desire to actually go in search for something. They want to get told it. And and everyone seems to be so busy nowadays that they're just like, all oh, right, I want to know what this answer is. And, and they ask a question. I mean, locally, where, where I live, we've got a local Facebook group. And seriously, I tell you, half the comments on it are like, right, I've just breathed in <laughs> what do I have to do now? Yeah, and, and and people just ask ridiculous questions and you see that on some of the Facebook groups as well that people just seem to have no common sense and they just want someone else to tell them what the answer is and therefore you say, oh, is technology keeping up with it? Technology can do all sorts but if people aren't going to have this sort of mental nouse just to be able to go off and, and do some of their own research then that technology is for nothing.
3: Well, I think a lot of what Pete said, "We do have, you know, like the Google for Star Wars. We've got that. We've got the biggest database, you know, for Star Wars in the SWCA. But I take your point in that a lot of the stuff on the SWCA is perhaps a little bit dated. And but it would be nice to see the SWCA brought up to um, modern times. But perhaps, yeah, perhaps made more into a kind of uh, uh, perhaps a wiki." whereby, you know, the, the, the gods of the SWCA can, can, you know, weedle out all the, the disinformation that newbies and people like, you know, me put on there that might not be entirely accurate. Got the images, they've got the descriptions, they've got the history of all these pieces. It's, it's such a good resource for people to add comments to at the bottom. And then if somebody wanted to see actually, you know, there's a current running price, which could be changed on a, you know, a weekly or monthly basis. I, I I don't think the guys in the SWC are too bothered about prices and stuff, but certainly some of the information has definitely changed over the last five years. That that would be an interesting starting point.
1: But that information's on Star Wars Tracker. That's what Pete's saying. People need to use different things for that. Star Wars Tracker is updated regularly. That information is there.
3: Yeah, but it's whether the, I don't think the guys from the SWCA really care about that information. It's, it's not really of any relevance. I'm more going from the point that you know some of the things that have changed from when the SWCE was updated. Some of the some of the content, some of the images.
1: Right. I just want to go to the next catch up two people I've just mentioned actually from interviews earlier in the year. That's Mark Daniels and Craig Spivey. Uh, Grant caught up with them. Uh, he did obviously the panel at celebration with them. So let's see what he had to say. Right, lads. We haven't got much more to talk about. I just want to go over 2016. Any other? Highlights, because obviously Jez
2: had the Running Stormtrooper. Anything you want to add to that? Running Stormtrooper might be coming out of retirement soon. Maybe more on that in January.
1: Can we just have a quick recap of how much you made?
2: Yeah, £5,300 plus gift aid, which is, uh, for those who aren't aware, the return on the tax, which taxpayers pay. So Make-A-Wish got just over £6,000 plus a load of um, publicity for their very much worthy charity. So yeah, six grand. Well, well, happy.
1: Yeah, we'll probably proud of that. P, how much did you raise for charity last year? Ooh, quite a lot actually.
4: <laughs> but not in Star Wars, though. Okay, so no. Uh, Rich,
3: how much money have you raised for charity? pushing a thousand pound, I would say.
1: Right, was that you or the students?
3: No, no, that that was me from from F A T S. As a school, I think we sent off checks that were close to fifty thousand for charity last year.
4: Hang on, hang on. You just dismissed my charity for Star Wars. <laughs> I'm about to dismiss his if you give
1: me a second, Pete. <laughs> I want to know what he's done.
3: Well, just for Star Wars. Um, well, I've contributed to every single charity event that was going. And, uh, you know, even people on Facebook I've never heard of, they'll say, you know, I'm doing something for charity for Star Wars. I've contributed every single one.
2: He has. He has. I often bash him, but he does. He's a good, he's a good lad.
1: Let's move on to our last catch-up interview before we get on to our five lists for the year and, and what we will be targeting. So, our last catch-up, Pete, you put up with Andrew Norton.
4: Here we are with spoons for his yearly catch-up. So, what have you been up to in the last ooh, year? Did you uh, did you do celebration? Did you get the most pieces from there? What's been going on? As-
8: it's been a busy year it's been a bit i did do did do celebration uh didn't buy any vintage items whatsoever uh but bought bought a bit of acrylic of gw acrylic Uh, but i i went with the family for a couple of days we sort of had a mini mini london break so i was doing um i was probably doing a lot of sort of the non-collector stuff which i really enjoyed actually so took, took the kids to do jedi training and um they were, they met there's the one of the Star Wars artists Jake so he was also doing his okay. art workshops and things and yeah they, you know, they're, they're fantastic fun I did a bit a bit of catching up managed to get into a couple of the panels which was interesting um, got onto the uh, the main the main stage for Anthony Daniels okay. and for the uh, the the premiere of the next two Star Wars Rebels. Um, Cartoons and we're all big Star Wars Rebels fans in this house, so uh, that was actually probably one of the highlights of the whole Excellent. the whole weekend. But yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. I went I went to the previous one in London, and just for the day. And actually, the the, the difference was quite was quite amazing actually between the two two events. It's grown massively in in that in that ten years. So really, you know, hope, hope it comes back to, to Britain before too long.
4: Well, I guess with all those Star Wars licensees, I mean, you know, you need a room just for those these days. Um, you know, <laughs> everyone and their cat seems to be making something Star Wars. You know, we had speakers, book, pop-up books. I mean, just name it; it's got Star Wars in it these days.
8: I was pleased to come back with a, a good haul of uh, Star Wars collectors' badges on my uh, on my lanyard. That was okay. um, nice. Met, met a lot of nice people. Uh, completely random. Random people swapping badges. One one guy had made his own ones out of pewter. They were were quite precious. So that yeah, that was nice nice to come back. Nothing nothing too commercial there either.
4: Well, I think I think that's always a highlight. Is 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 the talking and meeting complete random strangers who you would not in normal everyday life even talk to in the street. But you put Star Wars on the on the agenda, and suddenly they're best mate, and they will sort you a badge, and you can have a conversation about any old stuff. And it certainly doesn't matter. And I think, I think that is, I think for people who see celebration as just you know a bunch of Star Wars stuff, do you know? I mean, uh, I mean obviously we had our table at um at celebration, there. and it seemed to become a, a bit of a hub for everyone to kind of just hang hang out, uh, come by, have a chat about something vintage, you know, maybe come and show what you bought. And I think I think that shows the the strong community. The...
8: Brilliant. I've actually met um met a chap at your booth. Okay. That um. I last had any contact with or met at the um, the 2007 celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was quite nice. How did you recognise each other? How you
4: not both <laughs> aged?
8: <laughs> um, I don't. I, to be fair, uh, my memory's like a goldfish, and, uh, and I, I put it down to the to the other guy.
0: <laughs>
4: fair enough. Okay, so um, what, what about your own collecting focuses? What, uh, have you added any major pieces to your to your main lines? And the last
0: uh, yeah I
8: suppose well, the the big the big event this year for me was getting the diecast website up and running saw yeah. that there was this this gap for for knowledge on what was out there for diecast kept on seeing these these questions on various forums saying you know can I can I get an x wing on an italian car that those kind of questions yeah and so put together a central resource uh, of essentially what's out there to buy a lot of help from a lot of people um, particularly with images and um, and checking facts and you know things like the, the Canadian line which wasn't so familiar with and and through that uh, I've, I've kind of I've added quite a lot to my die cast collection actually this year not 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 masses amount but I've been, been trying to put together a, a Palatoy run of the diecast ships and I'm just short an x-wing now so that's that's been a sort of a, well. a slow burner. Few years, um, but should get there quite soon. And and I suppose and I've just maybe I've just been looking more since I've been doing doing the website. We picked up a couple of Harbor diecast as well, the um, the land speeder and the Tie, and got my first couple of Canadian diecast this year. And, it, and part you know I want some of this stuff because I need a better photo of it for the website. That's got inspiring. That's a good good excuse. That's a good excuse. Yeah, it is. But then I kind of feel well, you know, I bought I bought a Canadian Twin Pod Cloud Car, which is is very nice. But I wasn't actively searching for another Twin Pod Cloud Car, so I was thinking, well, I've done my photo. I should I should sell it now. But I'm finding it very hard to part with it. So uh, uh, I've not actually got rid of anything. And uh, and big, and uh, that's what my big purchase this year was a couple of the um, headers from Diecast bins okay and so they were the first first couple of waves of those released uh, the, the headers on the bin showing the the first three and then the first four ships available I, I bought two of those in, in a in a single purchase and they're nice but they're, they're big items so i've got one on display and i'm willing to get the other one framed up and you,
4: put it you need a new wing to the house for your uh, for your new die i do yeah
8: ship. it's um yeah it's i mean i'm one of the lucky lucky people, I do have. You know, we've got a spare room and it's it's where the toys live. What sort of reception is the website getting? Near, near enough 170,000 hits since it it started <laughs> up, and as I said, I think most of those are are people try to spam it. Loads and loads and loads from Russia, <laughs> and I'm sure there's some genuine folk in Russia very interested in the diecast. <laughs> but I can't see why it would be more popular there than anywhere else. I'm adding. The odd article every now and again, and uh, a chap called Justin Lee is hopefully going to uh, be writing one on variations in diecast, which is which is something I've not really looked into nor know anything about. But much like the figures, certain um, factories were producing these things, so there's there's slight variations in the in the loose um, in the loose ships. So hopefully that'll be coming along soon. Another I'd like to. Um, chat to a few people about the pre-production items as well um because we haven't haven't featured those really on the on the website yet so there's a, a few more articles to add but again, like anything no no real rush um and I just hope people people enjoy it
4: and the address is vintagestarwarsdiecast.co.uk big thanks there to Andrew Norton aka spoons who sat with me for several hours and you'll hear him over these two podcasts that uh, we released over the christmas period so thanks again andrew appreciate
1: right now onto our top five lists and richard suggested something earlier which we are going to do so say you name your five then the other three will look at your list remove one item and they will reselect something which will suit your
2: collecting okay so a bit of
1: fun so um, I've written your names out, ready to write your list down. So I've like, got Jez at the top. So Jez, let's have yours first.
2: Yeah, what well, I've learned from this year, where I I, I chose some quite tricky things, don't I? Uh, but I still managed to get three of them, which I legally own. Um, but there we go. Uh, I want to get a vinyl Cape Jawa. <laughs>
7: <laughs> not making
2: one. Here we one go of, again. It's not one of Richard's MLC threes, is it? Um, yeah, I want to get a vinyl Cape Jawa. Okay, final yeah. I want to get a uh, Luke X-Wing mint card with a Palatoy logo. Luke X-Wing
1: lock?
2: A Palatoy logo? Yep. Yeah. So, so far what are we up to? 1,500 quid? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to get a uh, I want to get a nice cool miss card with <laughs> extra bonus points if it's a Luke X-Wing miss card but a, uh, a cool nice miss card. card. No goons, yeah? No, I'm not saying that, because, uh, some jumper ghouls are quite, uh, cool. So, uh, um, yeah, a, a nice missed card, bonus points, Luke X-Wing. Uh, I wanna get a Helix Pencil Case. Any particular one, the X-Wing one? That would be extra bonus points again, so I'm potentially up to seven out of five points. Um, so those two items, if I get them, I get double points, we all agree? Uh, uh-huh. I thought that might work just later in the night <laughs> and uh, yeah, one? Okay. and I really want to find a family photo of me with something Star Wars or even wearing my homemade lovely Star Wars knitted jumper which I had, which my auntie made me because um, I didn't actually have any regular produced sort of uh, Star Wars clothing but I got a homemade <laughs> knitted Star Wars jumper which was really bad but I wore it everywhere, I loved it um okay. So if I can find a homemade photograph of me enjoying Star Wars as a kid. I'm not sure if my parents actually had a camera, but maybe my auntie or my uncles might have some. Uh, that'd be lovely. T- five
3: toughies.
1: Yeah, nice. Um Pete, Rich, what what are we going to remove, first of all?
3: Tough one, is not it? Um
1: I like I the idea fast. of his
3: photographs, so I think we should leave that one in.
4: Yeah, I like that.
3: Yeah. What about getting rid of his pencil keys?
4: Yeah. Definitely a pencil
3: case. <laughs> you can get one. You can, you can can walk to the shop and get a pencil case.
11: Exactly,
4: <laughs> There's right. shops.
11: Since the man
2: is like... Oh, yeah, I Wait,
1: just want to get a pencil we're top light with
3: him. Okay, yeah. so we'll remove that.
1: What are yeah. we putting in its place?
3: A screen-used X-Wing <laughs> Pilot helmet.
1: Uh, you're talking tens of thousands of pounds.
3: He's yeah, exactly. just to... sold his house.
4: No we haven't i have bought no, it. No, Rich you've got it wrong he's bought it. Oh he's it's bought, bought it his house. house. <laughs> oh sorry. How I... could you get that wrong, Rich? Sorry has it been reminded of it every five minutes.
3: Sorry, it's it's been a while since i heard that. Right, what what we get him? Did he pick up uh, a non sonic welded Luke X Men? Well, he was talking, he was well, talking
2: about that. We could put that on the list. I don't have a non Sonic window.
3: Right. No, a genuine non sonic not one well, not one that's felt to pieces because you've you've breathed on it or something. A one that's genuinely non sonic welded. It,
2: sorry, mate. If you had breathed on a figure and then it did fall apart, the chances are it is non-Sonic-Welded?
3: Well, not with your breath, jazz.
2: Well, that was just a cheap, unfunny gag, but um, <laughs> um, put, that, put that Death Star music in. Um, yeah, the uh, if a figure just falls apart through a little bit of light air, the chances are it might be non-Sonic-Welded. Well, there you go. That's the switch then. So, right, Rich, let's go <laughs> on to your list.
3: Right, okay. I've stuck my die-cast tie bomber on there. Again, okay, and I'm, I'm going I to go to for it down. this time because that will complete my die-cast run, and me focus on completing runs this year. I've put down the droids coin, and that is a want one, one, to a find. I've seen one for sale. I've gone for a clipper R5 tri-logo. All
0: right.
3: A boxed mailer. I've got... An Empress or any other boxed mailer. And the green and orange tops trading cards.
1: Right, okay. So, lads, I personally, you two, would like to get rid of either four or five. Yeah, definitely. Box mailer. Box mailer is very easy, isn't it? Get that right away. Right, let's remove that again, then. What does? What should should we make him buy?
2: (laughs) Make your well, I've, just, I've just put it in the text chat.
9: no jazz no. Um
2: Can
9: he can he make an R five D four
1: like the builders' clubs?
0: <laughs>
4: He's gotta build one. A life sized R five D four. Yeah, but he goes
2: to a school, it'll make all the kids
4: make one, will not he? What a, what it's just a Meccano R five D four. Ooh. Yeah. So he wasn't going to pay fifty grand for it, but hey, we can make him trade stuff for it.
7: What about
2: um more duck-related items? <laughs> yes. there,
4: there, there is one he doesn't have. All there right, is still out there. there is there is one out there.
2: Yeah, go on, tell me about this.
4: It's just a it's just another Disney ducks with an R five head, a, a minton card. You can get it's quite it's not ridiculously hard to get. But but we don't want to be it. ridiculously hard, do we? No, no, no. But he doesn't have that one. There is, there is, a, there is another. I like the idea of that. It's, okay. more of, it's more of a figure one. But, yeah, you can get it.
1: Okay. So the other...
4: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, let's face it, he's going to have to get it in, Anna, in, in Orlando. So he'll have to go around the stalls asking for it.
1: Okay. So, Rich, you've got the other Disney R5D4 duck-related item. Okay.
2: Oh, oh can it. we all put a wanted thread on some forums, so
4: therefore Rich will have
2: to say that he wants to have ducks.
4: Kate, let's go to your five. See, my five are really cheap, so I'm a cheap person. you um, all that one. <laughs> so they're really, really easy. Uh, um, a vintage, Any vintage Empire structure like feature magazine, so it's going to be really obscure and bizarre. I've got 100. Um, well, yeah, there we go. A nice or minty vinyl Return of the Jedi record or vinyl piece LP, an Ewok mock, and then a micro collection Bespin freeze chamber or a micro collection trash compactor. Okay. I look at Death Star sets. Micro collection, what
1: was that? Bespin best
4: Bespin best freeze chamber, or and the trash compactor. They're the two I really want to get.
1: Um lads, let's get rid of that Ewok mock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. Yeah. definitely.
4: Oh no, what a shame that
2: is. <laughs> He's played this game well, right I'm gonna
4: throw an no. That's a real shame. Oh no. Um No Ewok mock for me.
1: Woo-hoo.
4: Tricky one. Yeah, what? tricky one.
1: He, he he loves um he loves Empire Grimy Cracks. So what about the Tonton Teapot?
2: Mm, yeah. Oh yeah. Why not?
4: You said earlier, be... Pete. Yeah, it, it yeah.
2: did so that's, that's not a bad call to be fair. What about a Toy Tony colored figure?
4: No, I'm not buying, I'm not giving.
2: Oh, oh, that. can we change Grant's for a U graded figure? <laughs> that would be, oh, he, oh, he,
4: oh, he freak.
2: Yeah, what about if you're going to do this with Grant um, when he returns from the pub <laughs> from trying to convince?
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, there. let's get on with mine. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry about
3: it. that. Sorry about that. What, that. what about? Some kind of I don't know Japanese Empire Strikes Back paraphernalia. It's
4: mm. easy though, isn't
3: it? Mm. Oh, Ari
4: Space, Ari Space bootleg.
3: Mm.
0: Mm,
4: no, no, I'm not doing bootlegs. I like the um, I like the, the Sigma thing. Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: Empire
4: Back. No, the thing you just mentioned, the uh, the Tauntaun teapot. It's quite an expensive piece though. Do you want? Now, it to- oh. Sorry, Vaughn oh, K. How, how, how much is it expensive? as expensive. 100. You're not going to get it for
1: under 200
8: quid.
4: Oh, sod that then.
1: What about <laughs> what about an Empire Strikes right Back piece of Sigma, but not mug or figurine? Okay. So, you could go for like the Snow Speed, a toothbrush holder. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a better price. The turret Pro box thing, with 3 p coming out the top, you can pick up a 60, 70 quid. That's a great piece.
0: All right, do
4: that one. Put that in there.
1: Okay. My five items, I have to stick with the Sigma tape dispenser. See, now I'm gonna, my collecting's gonna be quite sporadic next year and quite, quite, um, non-existent at times. I am going to start and complete the 12-inch line.
2: Loose. Oh, that's a big call, cool, man. Yep. How many are there? Um, 12. 12, so that's one a month, isn't it? But that's complete. Yep.
1: Wow. Wow, okay. okay. Um,
2: we can choose two for you if you want, mate. Yeah.
1: I'm going to go with, I haven't got one, and it's one of my favourite figures, so I'm going to go for an Emperor's Royal Guard oh. Mock. Nice. Um, A, a Cloud
3: City playset box. A Cloud City playset box. That's a nice item, that. I'd like to get one of them myself. Right, can we rewind about an hour and remind us of what the first three were? <laughs> I've still got the last one to get yet. Sigma oh, yeah?
1: tape dispenser. Start and complete the twelve-inch line. Emperor's Royal Guard. Mental card. Klausy Place it. And it's coming. It's there. I'm going to go with a a at least three loose Lily Ledi figures.
3: What's mm. it cool, man? It's between think... the Emperor's Royal Guard and the Lily lady figures. It's not that at all. Nope. It's the
2: Emperor's Royal Guard mock.
0: Yeah, Because I need between. to see
2: him get three Leddy figures
3: complete. <laughs> well, he, uh, yeah, he could. Klatu and stuff like that. Uh, easy Biker to get. Scout. Yeah. Biker scout, yeah. Not as easy
2: as the Emperor's Royal Guard, Milan Card.
3: Right, so we'll get rid of the Emperor's Royal Guard. Oh, cool, that. He quite liked that Yugoslavian magazine <laughs> that Grant had.
2: I wanted the Ewok sticker
1: album from Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm.
2: He also quite like that Leah Kissing the 3PO magazine from episode 31.
3: How about any image of Leah that could be considered risky? <laughs> but would we have to consider it? Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: of what? Okay. I quite like that challenge. So, any image of Leia, of risque Leia. Yeah.
3: yeah. Now, it's not just a Google image. It's, it's, it's an item that you've got. That's what I thought, yeah.
1: Does it have to be, um, can it be a bootleg?
3: Yep, can be a bootleg. So, right. Something that we would consider and debate whether we would have it as a podcast artwork. You know what I mean? That kind of risky.
0: Yeah,
2: it doesn't include the Chewbacca oldner boobs or anything like that, which we see often. Yeah. <laughs> Proper, you know, so I'm saying lots of cleave, no nips, that, you know, nice, risky.
3: So, something that you wouldn't show your mum because you would go bright red.
2: Mm,
1: Love you. That's really narrowing it down, Rich, because I wouldn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is there anything else you boys wanted to bring up before we rounded off for 2016?
3: Um, I just think it's also probably pretty good to see some of the things that we've made a complete mess of this year that we might want to think about. And one of the things I'd like to bring up. ...is certainly why I don't have one of the interviews... ...and that's I recorded a great interview with Ross Bar and uh, Matt George recently. And in that interview, Matt George talked about his great purchases of 2016... ...what he's looking forward to in 2017... ...and his book that he's busy writing... ...which hopefully should see the light of day next year. And Matt and a couple of other guys are interviewing and talking to a lot of Kenner former employees and he, he's going to um, produce that book himself next year, so I'm looking forward to that. And Ross obviously talked about his Facebook groups and some of his big purchases, his he, he store displays, and, and where he sees his collecting focus going in the next few years. I, I think he bored with as well by seeing that he'd bought a house or something like that, but I don't really pay attention to people who are talking about such drivel. And unfortunately, this, and this is just me personally, it's about the sixth or seventh interview that I've lost this year due to The recording software, just not... Sometimes it's only recording myself. Sometimes it's only recording me guests. And sometimes it records neither, which is such a shame. So it's certainly something that we're going to have to look at next year. Because there's nothing worse than having a great interview and losing the recording.
1: Didn't you say, I've interviewed with Matt and Ross. Was a load of drivel. We'll cut it. I'll give them an excuse.
2: I love the fact that in this year it feels in particular, we haven't changed our philosophy that everyone's welcome on the podcast. You know, our whole thing has been trying to have more and more people. And I think we take great satisfaction when we, at the end of a podcast, say, wow, we've had 32 people on this show. Um, what's great to see is we've been getting some high profile collecting personalities that have been happy to join us this year and share their knowledge, people coming back and the, we, you know, we've had some of the main people who you would see in the collecting track, which I think is brilliant. But then say on, on a, the following episode, we'll have one of our, Oh genuine firm favourite forum friends.
0: (laughs) Forum friends.
2: Uh on just to talk about what they've learned, purchased and and brought to the community. So I think that we've continued with our whole we are just gonna have a complete reflection of the collecting community society on board and uh the more the merrier. And if you want in, get in contact and come on board. And I, I love that, that we're just we're, we're a medium for people coming on and talking about their Star Wars collecting, not us talking about Star Wars collecting. That's what I love.
1: I just want to say for this month's show, thank you to Chris Botkins, Chris Caswell, Ian Sanderson, Mark Daniels, Craig Spivey, Andrew Norton, Ed Grant, Simon McCohen and Mark Hockley, plus Ross Barr and Matt George, who sadly it didn't end up appearing for various reasons. And also just thank you to our listeners over from the last year. Our, People that are listening to the show has really, really grown this year, and somebody um, has some amazing feedback. So, without you people listening, it's not really worth us doing the show. So, we really do appreciate you all taking those six and a half hours last month to plod through our show. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can do so at the usual places: show at vintagerebellion.co.uk, on Facebook, just search Vintage Rebellion, on Twitter at SWTVR podcast, or find all of us on various forums. You can listen to all of our shows. All 31 now and three Christmas specials on iTunes or directly at swtvrpodcast.podbean.com. And if you are new to the show, you don't know where to start, perhaps go back and listen to the Holiday Special 1 and Holiday Special 2 and the amazing Pantos. So, lads, it is for the last time in 2016. Big Merry Christmas to you all. Good night from Rich. Later, guys. Good night from
2: Jez. Merry Christmas, everyone.
1: It is Merry Christmas from Petey Weedy. Ho, ho, ho. And it is a massive Merry Christmas from me. And remember...
12: Only you can decide with Star
1: Wars toys. <laughs>
3: This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough.
2: Are Star Wars products going
1: to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Oh,